0: Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcast in Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with a brand new episode. And this week, we're finally, finally covering the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, because it was my part of my master plan all along, because it was four years between the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. That's why I was doing it in- intentionally for between podcast episodes. It totally wasn't because I derailed it with a bunch of other projects to do and other podcasts. No, not whatsoever. It's part of a grand plan all along. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I'm full of crap there. But in order to cover a movie like this, I need to have co-hosts with me. And these two gentlemen have been covering the Dark Knight trilogy movies with me. And the first one, oh, this gentleman. How would I describe him? I can imagine him being like the scarecrow and passing judgment on people in a kangaroo court. Mr. Justin Cirillo, how are you doing, Justin.
1: I'm doing very well.
0: How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, and I get to see you gleefully sending people <laughs> to their doom by exile.
1: Well, that's that's what I do in my free time now.
0: <laughs> that's that, that's you with your Stratigmatic when people <laughs> fall off there, like, oh, they're reckless. They shot the hell, like, no, right? Yes. No longer on the list. Death.
1: On base percentage of 300, you're out of here. <laughs> Exiled.
0: <laughs> oh boy, you built like little voodoo dolls of them. It gets really elaborate. That's that's the free time of <laughs> a pandemic gives you. Yes. Now the other gentleman here, he is much. He is a technician and a good supporter of everybody around him. Much like how Lucius Fox is to Batman. Mr. Christopher Fay, how you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, thank you. I
2: am so honored to be compared to Lucius Fox, one of my favorite characters from this entire trilogy. Thank you very much. I am so happy to be back on Anything Goes, especially happy that you invited me back after the four-hour Snyder Cut-length extravaganza that we did on Back to the Future a couple months ago. So thank you for having me back. I am so thrilled to be back and finally doing The Dark Knight Rises with you guys.
0: Yeah, I, I, it is one of those things that i my- like, I, I every now and then I'll say to myself, "We gotta do the Dark Knight Rises," and wait for the universe to put that together. and Then I'd be like, I'd be like days later, like, "Nope, I'm the one I'm supposed to be driving this this uh, this tour bus." I'm like, all right, well, I gotta do this. And thankfully, our schedules aligned. They were able to do this tonight, and I'm really looking forward to this. I'm curious to see how our feelings are now in compared to when we first saw the movie, but. Let's not all gag anymore. So let's jump into our view of the Dark Knight rises right now. So Justin, prior to seeing the movie, what was your expectations going into it? What were you, how, What was your hype level at?
1: Uh, my hype level was through the roof. I couldn't wait for it. I was actually pondering on, on this earlier today, You know, going back to spring of 2012, in anticipation of The Dark Knight Rises. And I remember when the first trailer dropped... it was like... Sometime in April... uh, You and I were up in college... And we had just... Maybe a a week or so... Before seeing... Batman Begins... On TV up there so... It was... Fresh in our minds just how awesome... Mm -hmm. This uh... This trilogy was... And... Then the trailer comes out... And we're like... Oh... It finally feels very very real <laughs> and you heard Bane's voice come on and you're like this sounds this sounds interesting this sounds like something that I'm gonna need to watch or hear a couple of times in the theaters to get my head around um cause I mean the the, the hype around this movie especially after the Dark Knight, um, I mean, everyone was expecting this to be, you know, the must-see movie of, of the year, and we'll see whether or not it delivers on that, uh, throughout this review.
0: Yeah, it, it is curious, it's like, <clears throat> like so many other things in the previous two films, I think a lot of people had to realize, oh, within context, this will make sense and I think that best describes Bane's voice because I know it was immediately parodied before the movie came out and so people were wondering like oh no that sounds silly but people had very doubtful feelings towards Heath Ledger as Joker prior to the movie came out and look at the legacy that's left um I mean we've had a joke we've had two Jokers since then um three if you count Gotham If we do count Gotham, and and there's multiple iterations of there, so like you could like spring it off into multiple jokers in the confines of that show, and and one and people can argue who did any of them measure up to Heath Ledger or not. I mean, you just go into Batman Twitter, and you could still find the battle is still going on today, it's it's never ending, it's like a Greek tragedy, it just repeats itself over and over. But Chris, what was your hype going into this movie? The Dark
2: Knight Rises was really kind of the birth for me of really wanting to stay up to date with everything happening in this genre. It was really the first movie that I kept tabs on, you know, throughout production. It was the first movie that I saw, you know, opening day, opening night. I made sure I was there and it was the first movie that I specifically wanted to find podcasts talking about, doing reviews of all the coverage that was this is really an important movie for me now that I look back because it kicked off a lot of behaviors that I still, you know, that are still with me today mm-hmm. and the way I just kind of keep track of, you know, entertainment, comic book movies, all the things I'm interested in. This is really kind of the birth of that for me and it's kind of wild that it's been nearly a decade since it came out it still kind of feels like, Oh, it was like three or four years ago, maybe, (laughs) but this was, this was really an important movie for me. And I will say that my memories of it are very fond and that doesn't have as much to do with the content of the movie as it does with my memories of seeing it in theaters with you guys and how much fun that was and how many times, um, (laughs) I saw it in theaters. It was the first movie that I had seen, you know, four or five, six times. I don't even, I lost count. I don't remember, but it was really a good time in life. And I had finally met people who I could share these interests with in you guys. So uh, I look back really fondly on this movie and just that whole time in general.
0: Well, if it makes you feel any better, like, thinking, like, how long it's been since the release of this movie, um, we're on our second reboot of Batman since then. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I mean, to be fair, uh, we had four Batman in ten years, uh, in from Batman 89 to Batman and Robin, so...
2: Yeah, but that was, I guess, kind of supposed to be the same continuity, or loosely the same continuity, and this is full-on... Hollywood just recycling, restarting, rebooting, whatever you want to call it within such a short span of time. It is, yeah, it's that's pretty nuts to think about. I was going back and listening to our old episodes that we did cuz it was so long ago and I didn't even remember what <laughs> what we said, <laughs> what those conversations were like and we were talking about our excitement level for a Ben Affleck solo Batman movie and it
0: it really kind of hurt. <laughs> It did Yeah hindsight being what it is Like it's unfortunate like that And I didn't listen back to our Dark Knight episode Because I I know like I think I was You you, you, you couldn't carve out four hours of your day to do it (laughs) True And the fact that like I know I was way too energetic And I was like 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 I was an energized Bunny like on overload And I'm like no I mean, I'm I'm sure I sound obnoxious, so I was like, no, I'm not going to subject myself like and make myself feel bad. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I'm going (laughs) to hope to rectify that uh, with this episode. Now, my feelings going into this, like, yeah, like you two, I was, this is my most anticipated movie of the year. Like, it was really looking forward to it, and was it my favorite film of that year? We'll get into that. Um, but I remember specifically, I like, we had seen the trailer, like, I remember when we rewatched Batman Begins, we were up there, Justin, because that was our first semester, you were still living with Chase, uh-huh. um, and, and, like, it was just a very magical time, and I remember seeing, like, I would seen the trailer a bunch of times, but I remember when I saw the Avengers for the first time, well, it was the very last day of the first semester, that it was Bridge Street Run, <laughs> Yes, it was. And for some <laughs> reason, my friend JD and I, we didn't see that in Oswego. We went to Cicero, and I oh think, yeah, because I think it was only being shown in 3D in Oswego. And like, I was very ardent, like I'm not seeing anything in 3D. Uh, so we went a half an hour south to see it. And I remember we got there a little late. The trailers already started, but like we got there halfway through the Dark Knight Rises trailer. And so I'm like scrunched my way through people to get to an open seat and like nearly falling on someone but I'm like oh my god the bat like like (laughs) and finally get into my seat like oh wow that's gonna be amazing and with that said now Justin what was your first experience of seeing this movie
1: it was it was definitely one of the more memorable uh theater experiences I've had cause anytime when there's like a a movie that's really hyped up. You just remember your first time seeing that movie. Um, and I feel like we can't talk about um, the first time I saw this movie without mentioning uh, the tragic events in Colorado that happened uh, on opening night where a gunman uh, went on a killing spree inside a theater that was showing this movie. Very sad. Um, I remember the... I saw it the following night, and you always think that you're gonna be pretty safe, but there's always that 1% doubt in the back of your head saying that, ooh, just, uh, just, you know, what if? But luckily, um, Nothing like that happened here. Um It was a great time in, in the theater. I saw it with Chris on opening, on opening night. Um, and yeah, the first five minutes or so, you're just shocked and amazed to be able to finally see the movie you've been waiting, you know, four to six months to see. And then after you get past that... uh that opening couple minutes, it's just like, you know, any other movie that you've seen, you're really focused and you're really drawn in, and by the end of it, I was completely blown away.
0: Very nice, and yeah, it it is a very upsetting notion that people in the United States, prior to the pandemic, it was one of the biggest concerns you could possibly have in a movie theater going forward after that, because... I've always felt that movie theaters are the great communion place. Very much like how concerts are. It doesn't matter what background you are. As long as you have an interest in the entertainment that's at hand, you show up. And you sit there with strangers side by side and you enjoy that. Or or you may not enjoy it, depending on the quality of the entertainment. And to have that kind of a place disrupted and violated that way is a really upsetting notion. And prior to the pandemic, my anxiety had gotten so bad about the potential of a shooting in a movie theater, I consciously started sitting closer to the exits because of it, because I was just that worried. And I feel like that shouldn't be a rational fear to have and everything. Like, that shouldn't not be a thing that you're worried about, but this is the world we live in. But try and pivot pivot onto a happier note chris uh, what is your opening uh, uh night experiences with this movie well very similar to justin and not just because
2: we saw it together but the tragedy was really weighing heavy on my mind and that's the type of thing where you know any mass shooting or shooting of any kind is is going to affect me cuz i just i think it's such a such a horrible horrible aspect of the world that we live in but for it to happen you know at a batman movie and like you said people of all backgrounds coming together just for the sake of entertainment you know doesn't matter who we are we all enjoy the same thing and to have that experience be taken away and have your life be taken away in the process is just that was really uh i was like my stomach was in knots the entire day and i was just so excited for this movie leading up to it So it was one of, you know, one of the hardest things to to kind of deal with um, just as someone, as uh, an outsider, as a bystander to this tragedy. But, um, you know, like Justin said, five minutes into the movie, it captured my imagination and, you know, my fears had subsided and I kind of just got lost in the movie as... You know, that's the experience of going to a movie. And when it's a really good movie, you can you can get lost in it for that amount of time. doesn't matter if you're there for an hour and a half or three hours. You get lost in it. So I just remember being a bit uneasy, but ultimately being really glad that I chose to go out that night and go see it with my friends. And I believe Eric was there too. Was he
1: with us, Justin?
2: Yes, he was. <laughs> so it-
1: in fact, he, he said... Before the movie began, jed, I hope someone doesn't like shoot us or anything. And we were like, oh, "You don't boy. say the quiet Eric, part out loud, Eric."
2: Eric, yeah, yeah. So you know, <laughs> me- memorable in 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 its own uh, in its own way because of because of that. But ultimately, again, I, I look back on on these times, the tragedy notwithstanding. I look back on these times um, very fondly, and you know, it, it's uh, and that in itself is kind of. What I take away from it is, you know, just enjoy all of those moments while you're living them because you never know. Very
0: nice. Um, so my experience seeing this, I've told the story before, so I'll try and keep it brief. But I actually went out the night before this movie came out and did the marathon of Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises back to back to back, and it was. Uh, our mutual friends of Zach, Nakoda, my girlfriend at the time, the four of us, we saw this and I remember <clears throat> during the Dark Knight ha- there was something that was happening at the time that I got a really bad motion sickness through the Dark Knight and it was, the Dark Knight was not an enjoyable experience uh, and so that movie comes to an end and there was intermissions between each movie so it wasn't just like one long string that you couldn't go up to, get up and go to the bathroom but the movie the Dark Knight ends and I'm like, I'm going to get up. I'll be right back because I felt really sick. Went to the garbage can right outside the theater and threw up in there. I made it to the garbage can. Um, and a uh, what was it? an usher comes up to me and says, hey, dude, are you right? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm sorry. I threw up. And he's like, no, no, don't be sorry. You made it to the garbage can. Most people don't. You got it all in right there. So you should be proud of that. And I'm like, Okay. Went back to my seat. And just like how everything, like, if you finally throw up, like, you feel much better because it just got all that out of you. So I sat back down in the seat. i like, oh, whew, okay. I feel much better. Um, and, like, going back to something that Justin said before, the only preview I remember was the teaser from Man of Steel that would be coming out the following year. And I remember being very hyped for that. Um, and just how things have gone and just the feelings changed everything like that. Just my feelings on the movie has changed a little bit since that movie came out. But like you two gentlemen, I saw this multiple times in theaters. I think one, two, three. Four. I think it says five times in theaters. Okay. Um, I, cause I saw the, the marathon with my sister, Eileen with Zach Dakota, Justin, and I. And then it was the three of us. And then again at SUNY Oswego. When they eventually got it. And I'm like. And like that. And oddly enough the adventures. Like I saw that like five times in theaters. That, that summer too. Like those two movies are the ones I've seen the most in theaters. Which I find kind of fascinating. Like why those two movies uh, as opposed to others. But. Oh, yes. I mean, like, yeah, I guess that just goes without saying. And how this movie came about is because obviously with the gargantuan success of The Dark Knight, a sequel was somewhat inevitable, but we didn't know what the story was going to be about. And much like how Nolan made the procedure between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, Nolan would go off to make Inception prior to this. And so we had to wait four years for this movie. And it seems like he didn't really have a plan for the third movie. And I imagine how different this movie would have been if Heath Ledger lived. What do you guys think? Like, how do you think? I know, totally, total speculation here, but how different do you think this movie would have been? Do you think the Joker would have played a major part in this movie if Heath Ledger was still alive?
1: I I think he would have because they left they left the Joker's uh, fate pretty much wide open at the end of uh, at the end of The Dark Knight and you know he gets captured but I mean let, let's face it he would have escaped in the in a sequel I think uh, again it's, it's fun to speculate but none of us have ever been inside Christopher Nolan's mind I think given the enormous success of uh, that film, particularly Heath Ledger's performance, there would have been a lot of pressure on him to bring uh, Heath Ledger back. I don't know if Christopher Nolan would have wanted to do that anyway. See, he, he always. He doesn't tend to, you know, one, do sequels aside from this trilogy. Um. Two, mm-hmm. he doesn't he likes to change things up. I mean, he went from uh Inception back to Batman. Um then one off did Interstellar, then did a war movie with Dunkirk. So he likes to likes to he doesn't like to do the same movie twice in a row. There's always something in between. And I know even even with Interstellar... Uh, sorry, with Inception, too many eye titles. Uh, even with Inception in between uh, Dark Knight and, and Rises, I still think he would have wanted to do something a bit more different than just the Dark Knight over again. Mm.
0: What about
2: you, Chris? I think that there's probably no way that the studio... ...would let him get away with making this movie without somehow, including Heath Ledger. I think just based on the success and the buzz of The Dark Knight and his performance... ...I think it probably would have been a mandate given to him. You, you have to find a way to bring the Joker back somehow. And whether it's that... I don't know who necessarily put this out there... ...but the speculation that he may maybe he would have been the judge as opposed to Scarecrow in that scene. I I know I've heard a lot of people talk about that as a possible role for the Joker in this film, but I think it would have been inevitable that he would have been brought back somehow or something would have potentially spawned from the trilogy if he had lived. And unfortunately, we'll never know. But yeah, I, I, no way around it, I think that would have been the cash cow that that they were probably looking for and hoping for
0: yeah i know it's the movie does not acknowledge the joker at all like i don't think there's never a um, nary a mention of him and i think i believe it was the novelization of this movie that said like he's the only inmate in arkham um uh, and that even Bane knows not to set him loose because he's too much of a wild card that Bane's like, no, we're going to have total anarchy in the streets, but that is too much to handle. He would screw up the arrangement between the people within Gotham City and everybody outside it one way or the other. And even like people have said, like, in all honesty, as corrupt Gotham City is like, Joker will probably would Jeffrey Epstein in prison somehow by somebody. Um... Yes, he yeah, like yes, of course, Joker commits suicide. Yes, that's what I meant by that at all.
1: <laughs> we really need to get the uh, the politics of Christopher Nolan okay. films up with uh, with you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh god, the the, the charts to the map out the the political leanings
1: of the Nolan movies the, the is. Common. Just the comment section is gonna be.
0: Uh, yeah, and spicy. like I'll head off in of the past. I'll, I'll shoot the video of me just inside my car with my sunglasses on, just to to fool most of the commenters on that video. Um, and so, once the in the middle of the making of Inception, Nolan, sorry, brain uh, brainstorming ideas for the next one, Dark Knight Rises. And apparently between him and Goyer coming up with the story and him and Nolan and his brother Jonathan actually writing the script, it was like 400 pages in length, the like the first draft. <laughs> and the average being a page of script being a one-minute screen time, Needless to say, things had to be edited and moved around a little bit. And so in the beginning, I think it was in the middle of... 2011. That's when they started filming, and they would shoot all over the world and all over the United States. It was not just primarily Chicago that had been for the exteriors of Gotham City. We had some exteriors of Chicago, but mainly it was New York City, Los Angeles, and Pittsburgh stood for Gotham City. Which before we even get to the movie itself, like how do you, like Justin, I'll go to you first? Uh, how do you reconcile that decision to change up the the look of Gotham City so drastically between? Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises.
1: Very, very strange. Um, I don't, I don't think I would have done it. Uh, don't get me wrong, the cinematography, cinematography in uh, all three movies, this one included, spectacular. The, the scenic shots of uh, Manhattan here are great. There's nothing wrong with how film looks um, it does however take you out of the universe a little bit It, it uh, it's immersion breaking if uh, you know the first two films uh, the city looks like this and then all of a sudden it looks like mm. something completely different um, it's It's less like you're watching... You know... Um... Kind of like... uh, I want to use like... Like a documentary... But like... You know you're... You're more aware that you're Mm -hmm. watching a movie. Whereas if you watch... You know the first two back to back... You're like... Oh... This universe is consistent in... It's style. You feel like you're a part of it. Um... And then to change it up in the third film just doesn't make, doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense from just, you know, a world-building viewpoint. Gotcha.
0: What about you, Chris? That's
2: not something that immediately was apparent to me. That was maybe a fourth or fifth watch observation. I'd say yes Uh, so definitely not as jarring to me as like an 89 to returns to forever Mm. type of complete overhaul of Gotham but yeah no it it is it is apparent you know once you've watched these films you know past like maybe three or four times like at least for me that's something that I, I did pick up on and it's not something that I mind as much because I'm still able to buy in I think that's you know these movies can still take me there but it is kind of cool for me personally now, just being an, out, an hour outside of Pittsburgh, and just thinking about that uh, that arena, that stadium. It's pretty cool to know that that happened right there. So uh, it it it's a little. As I was watching it this time around, it was a, a little extra something special because uh, I've seen that that stadium many a time when I was coming into Pittsburgh by bus to visit my now wife when we were still long-term. So um, something that I I hadn't thought about up until really this viewing. So that part made it a little bit cool on my end.
0: Very nice. And I I, I get there was, like, even, sure, Batman Begins and Dark Knight are more consistent, but there's still big differences between... The look of Batman Begins versus the Dark Knight. I mean, the city city is is kind of rotten on the inside because of how corrupt the city is. And by the time you get to Dark Knight, a lot of it has cleaned up thanks to the actions of Batman. And I think the conceit for this is like, oh, the city has flourished in the eight years, and that's why it looks kind of different. But it, it is, maybe it's because... We're residents of New York State, and we know what Manhattan Island looks like. So we just kind of like, but I imagine yeah. on the flip side, people who are native from Chicago just watching the first two movies and then recognizing, oh, that's that's Lower Wacker Drive. He's driving down, and or that's the Loop. And when you get to this, like, well, that doesn't look like this. That uh, you're not Ron, in the words of man. <laughs> um, but like, maybe it's because like when we had we had that like huge bird eye view of like all the bridges being destroyed and like okay that's that is just manhattan right there and also all the bridges that are connecting it to manhattan island
1: i i think that's one of the big uh issues with it like there were you know a a few aerial shots um in begins and um and the dark Knight of chicago and you you, you know you got to see wide shots of the city every now and then. I think because there's so many um, overhead shots of Manhattan in this uh, in this movie, that's why it feels like you know just a little bit different. Like you can tell it, the architecture has you know changed. The skyline mm. has changed that's where it becomes, you know, a little bit.
0: Gotcha. Uh, but as the movie begins itself, um, we see the eulogy of Harvey Dent given by, uh, Commissioner Gordon played by Gary Oldman. And it seems like this is just footage shot for the dark Knight That was just kind of repurposed for this movie. I, I could be mistaken. I don't know if they shot this specifically for the movie. And he says, like, I believed in Harvey Dent." and, Knowing how he feels about Harry Dent throughout the movie, you just imagine how awkward this situation, this speech that he's given right there is for him. And then we jump eight years into the future as Dr. Lenny Pavel is being given over to the CIA along with a few other masked mercenaries. And we get to the first of many bit players in this movie that know they're bit players, but they, there's as our are the saying goes, there's there's no small parts. There's only small actors, and a lot of these actors are like, no, I'm playing this to the hilt, and I am making my mark. Yeah, they're in they're they're in a
2: different movie. I think they're not even. I'd say Batman sixty six, but I think they're in Super Friends. To be honest with you, not even Batman sixty six.
0: Yeah, like, it, you're half expecting the narrator to say, like, the Great Halls of the Justice League <laughs> and the Wonder Twins to pop out at one point. Um, but the interrogation of these masked men, uh, we find out they work for Bane, but actually one of them is Bane, and who, it was his plan all along to get caught, and, <laughs> and an action set piece ensues on these two planes in midair. <laughs> Justin, how you feel about the introduction of Bane? your favorite character in the movie with the CIA agent and the set piece?
1: First of all, we, uh... I I think between the three of us, the CIA agent immediately became (laughs) meme material. Like, after the first viewing. Like, he was the standout star. Um, It took me far too long to realize... That this is Aiden Gillen, who played mm-hmm. Littlefinger on Game of Thrones, which when I found that out, uh kinda of shocked me. I haven't seen Game of Thrones when I saw this movie movie for the first time, but now whenever I rewatch it, all I can think is, Hey, there's Littlefinger on the plane. Um, so that's interesting. But And you want to cut his throat. Wow. Of course. <laughs> of course.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: Oh no! I had to, by by all means, interrupt. because <laughs> uh, this is going way off track. This is supposed to be about Bane, not about Littlefinger. And here we are talking about Littlefinger. Um. So I feel like I should talk about Bane. Um. Really cool intro. Uh. It gives you that uh, intimidating sense of just his strength and size but also that he's he's quite clever. He's out he's outsmarted the CIA. So, um he's got that going for him as well. Although um you know maybe he could have thought of a plan without having to uh, you know crash a plane that he's in. That seems very, very dangerous. I feel like there's a lot More safe ways, he could have um, escaped. All in
2: a day's work, for the League of Shadows.
0: (laughs) Ah, yes, but it it is the the most guaranteed way to have no survivors. (laughs) Uh, I feel like
1: if he had just ripped their throats out, they wouldn't have survived.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, What about you, Chris? How do you feel about the opening uh, of this? N is for no
2: survivors. And, um, I love this scene only because of, uh, what's his name? Little,
1: little wing, little, finger.
0: Little, little finger. That's his okay. character's name on Game of Thrones. Uh, I've well, not seen.
1: I, I think that's his real life name too. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> wow. He's just adopted Wow.
2: That, yeah. That's his, uh, that's his SAG official, uh, name. I've never seen Game of Thrones. I don't know who Little Wing is, but there was nothing little about this man's performance. I think he's, like I said, he's in a totally different movie, and I, I love it for that. I both love it and hate it, every line that he says. That's really the only thing I can concentrate on. So I have no idea what actually happens in this scene. The only thing I can think of is him going, But only one of you! Now what's the next step of your master plan? (laughs) <laughs> my god who let the who who let who let the pa stand in for this role in this big blockbuster movie
0: <sighs> and, and well it, it is something like so i i realized nolan seems to have the to top the opening the now iconic opening to Dark Knight and so he does it on a grander scale with involving two planes one of them taking over the the other mid-flight and uh, that's impressive but Planeception. <laughs> plane within a plane, plane fla- <laughs> <laughs> that's planes a, that's on a, a plane
1: <laughs> I'm sick
2: and tired of these motherfucking planes on this motherfucking plane <laughs>
0: Why we have turbulence? Because there's another plane in our plane. Yo, dog! I heard you like planes. <laughs> 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 Exhibit doing we uh custom planes <laughs> mid-flight. P- pimp my flight. <laughs> oh man, they all, they they come with complimentary parachutes just for uh, uh, worst-case scenarios. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, huh. I, the God damn it.
2: now that now that
0: now this feels like one of
2: our <laughs> <podcasts. laughs> yeah you ever
1: wonder what would have happened if they got bane got on the plane and instead of little finger he runs into harrison ford from air force one
0: get off my plane <laughs> yeah, he, he he old man throws he he dad shrinks throws him off like that's and he can't compete the, with that
1: and the movie ends to fade to black roll the credits
0: uh i mean like well there is a cut to credit joke that i made after he saw this movie we'll get to that it's in a few minutes um but yeah like the flight pan i i found with the cia listens the 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 crew my man dr pavo but like you said but only one of you <laughs> okay so he threatens to shoot people before throwing them out of a plane I don't know. I think just being thrown out of a plane is terrifying enough as it is. But I remember there was controversy about this because, like The Dark Knight, this opening was released as an IMAX prologue for a movie a couple months prior. yeah. And it was... People had criticized. They couldn't understand Tom Hardy's Bane. They couldn't understand his his voice. And so... Why Bane's voice is so overpowering in the mix for the final movie? I think it was a result of that, and Hardy, uh, pretty much a lot of the voice of Bane came from a Irish uh, 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 bare knuckle boxer named Bartley Gorman the Fifth. Um, I'm sure just a very obscure thing. I'm sure maybe UK UK people knew about him and everything.
1: he is, he is definitely my favorite person with. The fifth as his title.
0: Yeah, Henry has nothing on him whatsoever. Um, and so, and like, you know, like how ubiquitous and almost insufferable Joker impressions were following the release of the Dark Knight. Oh yeah, they still are. Yep,
2: yes. We, yeah. yeah that's, that's very true. Yeah, and we touched on that uh-huh. quite a bit. In our yet,
0: we're still talking about that today, but I never get tired of Bane impressions. It's weird.
1: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it feels like, you know, very uncanny valley when I go back and listen to it. But I, I don't know. There's, for some reason, it just works. Like, I think it works.
2: I think that's part of the charm of this movie. I really think that's, <laughs> that's part of it, because if you have an instantly memeable character, like Bane, and not even memeable in the way that the Joker is memeable, but memeable in, in the way, <laughs> just the voice, it's so goofy. And, and when you get someone who can do a really good impression, like Donna, from <laughs> Haiti, <remember? laughs> it's beautiful.
0: Uh like i feel like I need to have my cup here, like so this is how we have to talk, like Bane. <laughs> I could do the entire podcast like this. <laughs> <laughs> but oh no, that sounded like more like Bill Dozier, like like oh no <laughs> <laughs> What's this? <laughs> Will the Cape Crusaders get out of the giant clam? Find out next, tomorrow night, same bad time, same bad channel. <laughs> Oh God, I hope that's not obnoxious to the listeners when they hear that back.
2: Well, we can release the first five minutes of this to the <laughs> listeners, and they can tell us whether we need to we'll, re- the mix. We'll, 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 we'll redub the podcast <laughs>
0: um but we'll get we'll have we'll transcribe the show and give it to three different people to do the rest of the show. That's what we'll do um but I we'll remember it to the cast of
2: Batman the animated series yes they they'll
0: do it um. I, 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 like I, it's one of the set pieces that it stands out in my mind is like the one plane being connected to another and the fact that a lot of this is done for real like they did drop the part of a airplane from another plane in the Scottish Highlands for that, that scene but a lot of this is miniature work that's composited in and it's seamless It never, it doesn't seem like oh that's totally CGI and I find that's one of the things that makes those movies stand out because of blending different kinds of special effects and visual effects together to make a seamless whole. It's you never stop and say like, Oh, that's totally not there. We're reacting just to ones and zeros.
2: Yeah, no, that's I, this time around this viewing, as I was taking notes, I was kind of making a, 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 trying to find the seams somewhere. Like how did they, How'd they do this? What what did they do here? And it looks it looks so good. So whatever part of this has been altered in any way, I couldn't find it. It looks just astounding. And that's something that I think draws me to these movies as well. And it's a criticism that I have just personally of a lot of more current comic book movies is that half the time I feel like I'm just looking at a glorified animated movie. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes it makes it a little bit harder for me personally to connect with and that is something I do appreciate about these movies in particular is that everything just looks so real and partly because it is but it's just very 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 well well made and that's I don't think that's a controversial take at all Yeah, these are very well made films yeah (laughs) hot take the,
1: (laughs) the the use of practical effects throughout this whole trilogy is flawless I mean there are three of the most well crafted special effects that aren't overly reliant on CGI that you'll come across
0: yeah like I, I, we'll get into it later on especially the use of the bat and the climax of the film and how they achieve that is really really astounding but in Gotham City, it's the 8th anniversary of Harvey Dent's death, and we're celebrating him by, like, we're reaffirming the Dent Act and everything. And Gordon seems like he's going to give a speech that he's written down, but chooses to, I against, uh, against do that. And this gala is being held at Wayne Manor, but nobody's seen Wayne for 8 years. And nobody's seen Batman for 8 years. Mm. Complete coincidence. Well, no, let me... Let me Back up. People have seen Wayne in the past eight years, but it's been quite some time since we've seen him. But like this, this begins the like I think one of the biggest problems of this movie. The so much exposition in this the movie that's so heavy that it's like it requires multiple villains to catch everything that's said here. And maybe that's maybe that's an indictment on the audience re- retention abilities. I'm not sure, but. The fact that Wayne is living like Howard Hughes in his mansion and Selena Kyle, played by uh, uh, Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, thank you, um, is breaking into steel is Bruce Wayne's pearls, it seems like, but it's more about his fingerprints. But how do you feel about this, Justin, this reintroduction to God the City and all the major plays are going to be seen throughout the rest of the movie?
1: It definitely is... Uh, exposition heavy and I think that is one of the biggest problems with the first act of this film Uh, it's a lot more slow paced and not in the way that um, you know Batman Begins was slow paced but things were happening without people explaining things happening um This one, there's a lot of uh, expository dialogue, which um, makes it a little bit difficult to get into upon rewatch. You kind of just have to just accept that the first 20-30 minutes are going to be slow after the the Bane introduction. Um, It does... Weigh the movie down a bit. I feel like uh, I've I've always questioned the decision should have been eight years after uh, after the Dark Knight. That seems like a very long time in between um, chapters of a of a trilogy. Um, I think if there had been you know. Maybe just one or two years in between, it would have, you know, um, lessened the need for as much um, exposition as as we got in the film. Mm. What are
0: you, yeah.
2: Chris? No, I I completely agree with both of you. Just how how wordy it is in the very beginning and just people speaking to each other in ways that people don't seem to really speak in real life, which is another thing that kind of irks me these days in movies, but just also how much work they have to do to set up for the people who maybe haven't seen the dark Knight in a while or people who don't remember. It just ultimately feels like that type of work. Isn't really worth it? You know, either you trust your audience to be with you and, and no, you know, have done their homework and know what's up or, you know, you you just you have to spend so much time just going pages and pages and pages of dialogue to explain what could maybe be summed up in a, in a few words with the right shot. You know, I think you've got to trust your audience in that respect. But there was so much, you know, that's that eight year span, like Justin said, there's so much that you have to really explain and set up. But at the same time, you're still going to have people in the audience going, so is this a part of Marvel? <laughs> so you still have you, you're you going to have people who don't know what's going on either way. Uh, so I feel like on, you know, every we, every rewatch of this movie, it becomes a little bit more apparent that, yeah, maybe it wasn't the right decision to have there be such a long gap. Because that stuff in the middle that we missed is that's kind of what I think we've all been. Wanting for a long time out of a Batman movie, the meaty middle part where he's Batman, and not the very uh-huh. beginning or the very end. Again, we we want to see that meaty middle part.
0: But Chris, that's boring. It's not like decades of comics have been built on that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, you're right. There's there's almost no source material to pull from. No, for that.
1: So it's a, it's a whole animated series just just for yeah. that. I, I mean, just no need to see on the big screen. No.
0: Yeah. it's like i appreciate what frank miller did for the character in both the dark knight returns and year 1 uh year 1 having huge influence on batman begins and dark knight returns clearly having an influence on here because that story has a nearly 50-year-old batman coming out of retirement and taking on a new enemy in gotham city and i th- think The reason why there's an eight-year gap between movies is because they wanted to have the John Blake's character to be an orphan child and then all of a sudden suddenly a man and this, and that's how they were able to justify it.
1: If that's true, that's a really shitty way of (laughs) creating an (laughs) eight-year time-lapse.
2: Yeah just just based on a side character that while i do enjoy the character leads ultimately to nothing really it's not like we were getting a john blake split spinoff i understand you know and that ending still pumps me up and we'll talk about it but i i understand the temptation to want to have that aspect of this story but i don't know if it was worth it i i feel like you could have come up with another way to do it. In fact, we discussed another way to do the John Blake character in either Batman Begins or The Dark Knight when we reviewed those. I don't remember what it was, but we discussed a way and I think we all agreed that it would have probably been a better way to go about it. So there were other options, I think.
0: Yeah, he deduces Batman because how he smiled to him. <laughs> a rich billionaire yeah. smile at him and that's how he's like you're a bad man because you smile you have a fake smile celebrities having fake smiles someone spent
1: 2010 watching Sherlock
0: <laughs> yeah clearly <laughs> um yeah like that's why I'm like I'm really excited for Matt Reeves as the bad man because the fact that it's a year two story and hopefully with potential sequels they're like oh we can have the heart of his career being shown on film, finally. But, like, like I know I'm harping on so much of the beginning right here, but you think of the opening setup between the end of the opening heist in The Dark Knight and then when Batman goes to Hong Kong to get Lao. Like, there's a lot of information right there, but it moves and it sets up so much of, of the story that plays out the rest of the movie, and it never feels like you're digesting like you're trying to cram the simularian uh the tokens uh into like a one night uh reading session it's like okay like oh so like oh uh they got to dump gordon in the fall the mayor's still the mayor uh matthew modine wants his, jo- <laughs> uh, wants his job wants the job ann hathaway selena kyle um the mayor still wears eyeliner. But, but, but that's just uh, his eyes. I think that's how his just how his eyes look, or he just wears excessive eyeliner. Um, and but I think the best part about this is Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle when she's just, she's found out to be a thief, and the light motif yeah. of her music just fades in, and then she just flips a switch like, "Oops, I didn't know it was uncrackable," and that <laughs> playful nature comes out. And she's one of the highlights of this movie to me. She is.
2: Yeah, yeah. She's great. She is so good. She is so good. She is um I think especially, you know, later in the third act, she is still kind of what I think kept me there when I watched it this time. Cause it gets a little bit long in the tooth as you go on, but I do enjoy her character enough that I think she she provides a little bit more of a pulse in this movie that uh, I think wouldn't have necessarily been mm. there without her.
1: I, I think the the rest of the ensemble cast uh does a really good job. Um because there aside from uh Gordon and uh Batman, Michael Caine's in here for, you know, a hot minute, then bounces, there isn't that much left over from uh, from the first two movies, aside from uh, Bruce and, and Gordon. Mm. So to be able to introduce two new uh, side characters in the final act of uh, a trilogy is not easy but uh, they, I think they did a pretty good job with both uh, Catwoman and uh, John Blake. Yeah,
0: um, it, like because this movie has to serve Sony Masters because it's not just a movie on its own. It's solving two previous movies' threads as to wrap that up, which is not easy. Hence the the bloated long the runtime of this movie of nearly two hours and forty four minutes with credits. So. It really is just like, okay, that's why it's like we're going extremely fast and seem to be going very slow at the same time. Like, it is really an anomaly like that. But it is curious because in the mid-2000s, Nolan wanted to make it a Howard Hughes uh, biopic, but that got shelled because of Martin Scorsese making The Aviator. So I feel like he got to curb a little bit that for this movie by making Bruce Wayne his Howard this at least at the beginning of the movie, that he's a recluse and nobody's seen him in years. Oh, and uh, one of the early villains this movie is introduced here with John
1: Daggett. <laughs> hey, whenever I You're hear dumb. the name John Daggett, I honestly, I just think of the Angry Beavers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I didn't want to say it but Dang it, no! <laughs> <laughs> That's his, that's his, that's his, that's Classic. his second command if he gets killed by Bane. <laughs> <laughs> and I I forget the actor who plays him, but um uh, Ben Mendelsohn I think. Ben Mendelsohn, thank you. Who's gone on? to he's a terrific actor, but it's just in this yeah. movie he's I don't know it me is it the writing is it the direction it's the it's a mix of both that he's just like <laughs> like I don't know we have not we got allowed a board member in here even his what family name is on the name above the door like like what? I I, I yeah. what choice are you making the, sir?
2: The the clean slate exchange. Oh my god. <sighs> the we'll, ultimate get tool we'll get there.
1: We'll thief with a but... theme, hey, the record. Hey, how about we get some girls in here? <laughs>
0: Can we it's get some girls well? in here? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on? How am I supposed to be running Wayne Enterprises now? <laughs>
1: Annunciation just, is my acting. Just the, the over a top over the top performances in this movie between Aidan Gillen and Ben Mendelsohn. I think that's why it's so fun to watch because it's not—it's not bad. It's just funny.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it, I, I,
1: it's I, not meant to be funny, but it is.
2: <laughs> th- I think there's a there's another uh, another member of their their crew that we'll get to a little bit later <laughs> when
0: Batman is on the run, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. Um, so Sina Kyle steals the pearl necklace not, knocks over a crippled person um, <laughs> as you do apparently ableism <laughs> baby <laughs> uh, backflips out of a two-story building with heels on um, somehow does not break right stuck in the grass <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my god that, 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 it was like it was something I noticed while I was watching Zack Snyder's Justice League at one point Gal Gadot like jumps down like fifty feet into a chasm and lands, and she's in heels, and the heels don't break it. I'm like, oh fuck you, movie. <laughs> she would survive that fall; those heels would not. The, I call shenanigans. The theme
1: music cushioned her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, uh, that's what cue the slow motion for her to land safely. Exactly. <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> Uh, so we have John Blake Played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, Returning actor for Nolan Because he worked with him on Inception Much like how Tom Hardy and Marion Cotillard. I forgot she's in this, this, this opening like bit too
1: reunion. They, might have, really, they might as well just Have shot both of these all in one go <sighs>
0: Oh jeez Louise My, You're not wrong um, And um And so they're trying to figure out like, Don't you like John Blake asks Gordon, Do you know, do you want to know who that was? Like, I know who Batman is. Do you want to know who Batman is? Like, I know who it was. It was the Batman. <laughs> and, uh, because Gordon's gonna be, Gary Oldman's gonna be making some choices with his acting throughout the movie, too. Um, bless him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we hear rumors of, like, this weird, like, um, society going on in the sewers uh, that like there is job opportunities down there which it is curious because the Dark Knight comes out in the middle of a the beginning of a huge recession in the United States and that this movie reflects it and it's really strange like there's an uprising of eating the rich in this movie mm. and this comes out in the middle of Occupy Wall Street yeah yeah and we'll we'll be getting into eating the rich later uh, because it's how we will how <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. yes that, uh, did you did you not see your bingo card of eating the rich is on our, our itinerary for the evening?
1: But I already had dinner.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, we're going for seconds, okay? Suppose we're having I can lobster tails for seconds,
1: shrimp cocktails galore.
2: They're uh, they're they're high in fat, low in morals. So. <laughs>
1: Uh, Laura Mora Fiber <laughs> <laughs> Wow!
0: Damn We got the zingers here ladies and gentlemen That's what we bring to the table um, Batman investigates the Who Selina Kyle is, is And as we find that she's a cat thief Named Selina Kyle And eagle eyed uh, viewers have noticed That on like the multiple monitors That Bruce pulls up Somebody miss- misspelled the word heist on one of the newspapers' <laughs> headlines, it's it's H I E S T, and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> it, it's it's evidence number one of a theory I have in this movie. I thought he said he's t- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder she's being able to get like if that's the level of quality you can expect from the newspaper people. No wonder she's successful as a thief. Like imagine the 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 police department can't be that much better.
2: Yeah, they they they, re- they really need to to get Knox. In to, uh, <laughs> help out.
0: Is there a 5'10 uh, uh, thief out there? If so, what is she stealing from the rich? And how How is she making down after taxes? <laughs> uh, how many heists does she do? Six? Six? Six, uh, Six is good. Uh, six. Uh, six. Six is good. <laughs> <gasps> um, but <clears throat> she kidnaps a congressman, and when she's handing over the thumbprints that she took of uh, Bruce Wayne's, uh... Safe to the second in command of Daggett, uh, Norbert Philip Stryer. What'd you say? Norbert, (laughs) (laughs) who was the contact all along? He was that's why he was always there. He was doing illegal shit at at the Cheers bar. (laughs) I'm sorry, Justin opened the door for this. (laughs) <laughs> and the the actor Byrne Gorham who plays the, the right hand man to John Daggett, the, the man with the impossibly plastic looking face, um that were just like we feel like they're gonna kill Selena Kyle, but she turns the tables and a shootout ensues, ending up with the commissioner going out to Seward t- to pr- pursue uh the men working for Daggett. Uh Justin, how do you feel about this set piece and how Selena Kyle slinkily gets out of this way it gets out of this situation I'm not sure that's a word or not sneakily sneakily there we go there I'll we go with that
1: I gotcha um really fun scene one um Burn Gorman very good actor he's uh he was in Torchwood for the first uh two seasons so mm-hmm. when I realized that uh there is a a little connection there I uh enjoyed this movie a, a little bit more uh, once I had that knowledge. That's a really good scene between uh, Anne Hathaway and him, because they're each trying to outsmart the other uh, uh, just blanking on his name now, the character's name. Who is the, uh, the second? The, Norbert. Uh, the, yeah, the, the Norbert. Norbert. <laughs> Stryver. Norbert thinks he's got uh, the upper hand on Selena Kyle, and then um, Selena, you know, pulls out the old, uh, nope, they're tracking they're checking this guy's cell phone uh, you probably should uh, should have checked for that before you brought me and him in here and uh, the, the look that uh, Norbert gives her in reply is just like really good facial expression acting where it's just like a blank stare like fuck like he knows mm-hmm. no shit's about to go down um I like this scene and then it's capped off by when the cops do arrive just the great fake uh crying <laughs> that uh Anne Hathaway does so that the the police just like don't suspect she's a part of anything that's going on when you know really she's got as much, uh, much shit going on as uh, as the rest of these guys do.
0: And what about you, Chris?
2: This scene in particular is one of the ones that really kind of made me lament the fact that we never got an opportunity to see her again in another movie, and this was kind of it for her take on Selena Kyle, because I think, to me, she's one of the standouts of the whole movie, and You know, this is just an example. Like, yeah, she goes from screaming, crying to just kind of peeking around, see if it's (laughs) the coast is clear. I love that. I love how smart she is. I love how crafty she is and how quick she is on her feet. And uh, yeah, I I do wish that we had more than this movie with her. But the parts that we did get, I really, really do enjoy. I think she's great in this
1: movie. We've been making fun of the -the over-the-top acting a lot, but this scene, both these characters kind of just play it straight, Mm -hmm. except for, you know, the little bit over-the-top part where, uh, where, with the crying, um, but that's meant, there's a purpose for that. That's intentional. Yeah, Yeah, that's an intentional, uh, (laughs) bit. Yeah, Um,
2: that's, that's the character being a a good actor within that reality.
1: But the the acting in this scene is just really strong by by the two of them, and yeah, I wish we would have got to see more of uh, Anne Hathaway as as Catwoman.
0: Uh, I agree one hundred percent with both of you, and yeah, like the fact that she that Anne Hathaway as Lena Kyle plays it straight, and she's cool as a cucumber under pressure here, and when things do go south, that she's able to handle herself physically, but when she realizes oh. I can't punch my way out of here. That she does the fake hysterical woman, like ah, oh, help me, help me, help me, and like the cops, like don't, like you stay here, we'll check it out, kind of thing. And then she just kind of like ah, ha, 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 looks around, <laughs> okay, and just sneaks on out of there. Like it's, it's one of the most rewarding things about this movie is those little touches that Anne Hathaway brings to character. And you're right, Chris. I, um, I do wish there was more. Of uh, Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle, I wish like I don't know if there could have been a spinoff with her as Catwoman. I we're knowing how influx things are at DC every single day. I won't count this out. Yeah, maybe one day we'll get uh, uh, her come back as that character. But uh, the goons uh, trying to escape the SWAT team members go into the sewers. Uh, the Commissioner Gordon gets kidnapped, and uh, Matthew Modine. Uh, uh, doesn't like hotheads, uh, questioning his, uh, orders when, uh, uh, he gives them and everything like that. And it's, it is, I love Matthew Modine who plays Deputy Commissioner Foley here, but the, he loves the word hothead. He yeah. loves saying that a lot.
2: Yeah. Matthew Modine in this movie is like the bully who walks around saying, I hate bullies. He's that type of person. It's like, man. Tone it down just a bit.
0: Yeah, and so Gorn is kidnapped by Bane, uh, or his captors, anyway, his subordinates, brought to Bane. <laughs> Bane asks the universal question, like, why are you here? And the guy, the Goon's thing, like, oh, answer him, Commissioner. <laughs> no, I'm asking you two, numbnuts. Like, why'd you bring him down here? Like, why'd you bring him down here to my command center, man? Now we have to kill him. <laughs> Um uh, but we see just the brute strength of Bane where he just like kills one of his subordinates like that by breaking his neck. Uh and Gorin f- remembers the most important rule if you're in a fire, you uh stop, drop, <laughs> and roll. Especially
1: <laughs> into water.
2: You Yeah. Or in in this case, uh in memory of DMX, you stop, drop, shut him down, open up shop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh so Gorn escapes, even though he does take a bullet in the process. um Bane tells the, his subordinate to follow him. Follow him. Blam! He gets shot. And gets thrown down the drain as well. But just before it happens, Bane took the speech that Gorn had on Harvey Dent off of him, and he kept it. Like, hmm, this seems to be important for the plot, so I'm going to keep this. He picked up the script. <laughs> That's how he knows everything's going on. He read this script. He did some rewrites, <laughs> made some notes, called the oh, studio. I, like, takes off the mask. All right, Chris, I have uh, some notes. I, I wrote them up myself. I did, I did this overnight, okay?
1: <laughs> um, I, I like to picture him not taking off the mask. Click, 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 <laughs> click, 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 click,
0: click, On oh, no, the way, it's an old-timey typewriter, that's what he's writing his pages on. <laughs> It's made out of the same material as mask is, so it's even louder as he types. Click. Click.
1: <laughs> dear Commissioner Gordon. Oh no, that's way too formal. Clack, 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 clack. Dear people
0: of Gotham City. Like, Am I landing on the word dear too hard? Um, luckily, <laughs> John Blake goes to the one place, even though there's four outings that that pipe could have led him to. He finds the commissioner uh, and brings him to the hospital. Well, the angel of Christopher Lloyd
2: guided him to that that one opening.
0: (laughs) 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 Come on, it's it's the
2: same character from Angels in the Outfield, right? They're both orphans. (laughs) Both have the same annoying... Optimistic optimistic spirit.
0: <laughs> but now I'm just imagining an invisible Christopher Lloyd uh, affecting the plot of Dark Knight Rises, and I'm kind of sad that's not the case.
2: <laughs> that should have been one of Bane's rewrites. <laughs> I think instead of Scarecrow, we should have Judge Doom.
1: <laughs>
0: Remember me, Commissioner? When you threw away the key, I sounded just like this! <laughs> like okay maybe we will take death by exile that's our judge right there (laughs) um so john blake goes to see batman and reveals like i know you're batman um but tells him that like um the orphanage that wayne foundation used to fund is not doing anymore and kind of like Kicks Batman in the, sh- the shins to like get back in the real world, but I know we kind of hinted at like so. I'll we'll go into a little bit here, but your feelings on John Blake's backstory, Justin? I
1: don't. I don't mind it at all. Um, I just hope that he didn't structure the whole movie around it, like you know, it, for plot purposes you know, John Blake being an orphan, I think it kind of works. It's a little fishy how he's just like, ah, you must be the Batman. Because I just, I just know it. Must have got um, a copy
2: of that script from Bane. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it just... I don't know. I feel like there, there could have been a better explanation of his character, um, you know, for a lot of exposition, exposition there is in the first act of this film. I feel like John Blake gets the short end of the stick there. Um, and that, that's one of the issues about trying to introduce uh, a character in the third act of a trilogy. Uh, I think it works overall. But it could have been better, uh, and the fact that we don't really know the specifics about, you know, him being an orphan kind of just does feel like it's invented out of nowhere, just as a, you know, a MacGuffin for him to deduce that Bruce is Batman.
2: Chris? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I feel there's a lot of just convenience, you know, surrounding the John Blake character. But it's, it simultaneously seems like Nolan had zero interest in introducing a Robin-esque character, but also shaped very important details of this movie around that character at the same time. So it feels like a half-hearted attempt at introducing a Robin right down to, Hey, you should call yourself Robin. (laughs) You know, very, very convenient. Like, it just feels very convenient and on the nose. And do I think that we were going to see a circus performer in in this world, in this movie, become kind of the unofficial sidekick? To, to Batman, even though it never really reaches that point in this movie. No, I don't think that that would be realistic in this world. But this all-knowing orphan just suddenly showing up and like turning Bruce's entire thing on its ear is just a little bit too convenient. And that is why I do think that he has the assistance of Christopher Lloyd in that way. I, I, I do think that it is, uh, for me, it's the same character. That's my head cannon and I'm, I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, to paraphrase the Simpsons, a circus performer at this time of year, at this time of day, and, and, and this part of the ha- Wayne Manor localized entirely in this one room. Yes. <laughs> Can I see this? No. Uh, yeah it seems like I know Christian Bale made comments prior to this movie coming out that he would never be in a movie if Robin was in there like but I know if that was like tongue in cheek or he was being sincere. I'm not too sure, but it, it, it's it, it, the decision of to have not Robin Robin in this is baffling because it's like it's like shit or get off the pot commit or not yeah. because it is very half hearted
1: Kinda of feels like Christian Bale got uh, hoodwinked on that one, because you 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 appeared in a movie where there is a Robin. Literally, his name is Robin.
0: And after the after the premiere, Bale confronted Nolan and said,
1: "Oh, good for you! You put Robin in the movie. No, no." If only his name was Shane. Shane uh, Nolan.
0: Oh God. I feel bad for that cinematographer and everything. Because, like, like, he's been a very important teacher on the internet with cinematography. So, I, I just feel really bad for the dude. But he may have messed up. So, like, it's a really awkward situation. <laughs> anyway, it, it is... Yeah, it, like, it, it boils down to, like, Hey, I saw you had a fake, a weird smile. And I figured out you were Batman. Like, I get It's supposed to be a realistic world where... Yeah. like. If this any of this is real, people have deduced Bruce Wayne was Batman a long time ago. Sure, yeah. Why more, more people don't do that is one of the suspension of disbelief you have to have with the character. How, how is that kid
2: more perceptive than members of the police department, Jim Gordon, you know, everyone else living in Gotham City, you know, how is this one kid... I guess the idea is that, well, the experience that they, that they shared, which even then it's still like, okay, but I mean, just because this is the billionaire orphan that you all aspired to be like, doesn't mean that you're, you're going to so easily put together that he's, I guess maybe that's what a kid would do if they had all the resources. So maybe in that aspect, I could see, you know, your mind wandering and, maybe putting it together that way but it's it's a far reach I still think and it's just weird but all that said I do like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this movie I yes. you know enjoy his scenes
1: mm-hmm. I, I I think the character works even if his backstory doesn't necessarily work
0: yeah I know like, I guess like I'm harping on this or I'm being overly negative to it like no I just
1: feel like there's so many better ways they could have explained it. Yes. But in the end, somehow the only two people in Gotham who know that Batman is Batman is the Wayne Enterprises guy trying to blackmail him in the <laughs> second movie and some orphan kid. Um, he gave him the orphan book.
0: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> fake, fake Riddler um, and fake Robin are the only two yeah,
2: outside yeah. of Alfred and Lucius.
0: Like it does make the character of Gordon dumber, him not figuring it out. Like it makes it sound like he couldn't solve a murder with the uh, breadcrumbs and a and uh, a consigned confession.
1: Well, once once you give Gordon the right breadcrumbs, he does figure it out, which we'll get to as well. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like like.
0: What was it? Lois, like, Superman the movie back in 1978 made fun of this trope. When Lois Lane's like, wait, Clark Kent and Superman? Oh, Lois Lane, you're hallucinating. Like, they make a joke out of that and nobody figures out that Clark Kent is Superman. 30 plus years before this movie. Anyway. Um, Bruce goes to see uh, Gordon in the hospital. And we barely understand his dialogue because just the mix on his... Lines in the scene here is him being all haggard and in the hospital bed.
1: Yeah, he was doing Tim. He was just Nolan was just getting us prepared for Tenant.
0: Like, I, I, like the times I've gone into Walmart and, and Target, I have passed Tenant. I like I've reached out to it, and I'm like, <laughs> not yet. I'm not ready yet to, to buy <laughs> you. But like, I know I should because I feel like like I own your rest of your filmography. I should just con- continue it. But maybe you
1: just have to buy it in reverse.
0: I wish I got reverse time, never to bring it up again. Um, but eventually, Bruce follows Selina to a uh, gala where we see Bruce Wayne and Marion Tate, played by Marion Cotillard, finally share a scene. Um, because apparently, prior to the events of this movie, that Bruce Wayne sunk most of his assets into a nuclear fusion a uh, clean energy source. But when they, he realized, oh, this could be turned into a four-megaton neutron bomb, he scrapped it, mothballed it. And Miss Tate's like, um, I put a lot of money into that too, so I'm uh, out of the bag for that. So, like, maybe we can do something to be able to benefit each other. I don't know. Maybe something. But knowing how Marion Cotillard was used in Inception, was everybody suspicious of her in this movie off the bat no pun intended
2: (laughs) right off the
0: bat I admit that that was totally unintentional I did not mean it to make that as a joke tell you what that'd be a good name for a podcast (laughs) or hat for bat keep bat
1: warm
0: keep bat warm warm.
2: I I, I didn't suspect anything you know I'm, I'm Joe moviegoer just sitting there letting the story play out, and I had no prior knowledge of anything. I think in hindsight, I think that that might have actually been spoiled by IMDb for some people, that she would be Talia. I seem to remember something like that, but I had no idea. Um, So I felt that knife, too, uh, at the end.
1: (laughs) Yeah, same. Uh, Um... I'm pretty easy to fool when I'm watching a uh, a movie and a plot twist comes up up here. <gasps> No way and that's pretty much how I <laughs> reacted to this.
0: Um I was I had my eyebrows raised, but I was like I wasn't totally surprised, but like I was still shocked initially when the reveal happened because I'm like they would have done it by now, right? And when we get there we get there we we'll find out who sh- who she really is. Um, we have a cliche, the storm is coming kind of speech. Uh, but as we, as no one takes pop shots, the elite, the, the gluttonous, uh, elite with their fancy dinner that they have going on here. <laughs> but I do love the joke that, that Selena kisses Bruce Wayne and leaves and you're wondering like, oh, that's just kind of random that she just like, uh, sucks face and then just bounced. But it was to steal his, uh ballet ticket, and so she steals the Lamborghini and pieces out of there, resulting in <laughs> Alfred to come pick him up, which, like, I like every time I laugh, just, like, how much fun Alfred's having the moment of just just teasing Bruce right there. Just one, sir? <laughs> I love that whole,
2: that whole portion. That's a lot of fun. This is an aspect of um, just how much fun this movie is, in parts, and how funny it is, and It's not something that I really remembered, but just even in kind of just writing down some notes and jotting down some things that really stood out to me, I had a lot of really funny bits, and you don't normally think of, you know, the the, the yucks when you're thinking about the Dark Knight trilogy, because everyone talks about how dark and broody and, and grim it is, but there's a lot of fun to be had in this movie. And this is one of the instances mm-hmm. where my wife, you know, I, the way he delivers that <laughs> line and then Alfred pulling Hard up, cut. It's great. It's, it's really great.
1: Yeah. I think from a dialogue standpoint, uh, these three movies are some of Nolan's wittiest, if not funniest, um, which is, it's strange to see there's, still a lot of the, not a lot the right amount of you know at times dark humor at times you know over the top humor um and uh kind of the the over the top humor peaks it set out here with uh with the look Alfred gives Batman when he picks him up
0: yeah so I was not expecting know, like- no, and Chris, I don't know what you're talking about. This is a DC movie. We're supposed to be dark, grim, and humorless.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, like, and that's why I think so much of that is so overblown because there's a lot of fun to be had in these movies, especially in that relationship with with Alfred and Bruce. You know, And at this point, it's such a lived-in relationship, and I'm glad we get a moment like that in this movie because there's a lot of pain later on. Between the two of them, and you know that's that's hard. So I'm glad that we do get to see some of that lighthearted, you know, jabs back and forth, and and moments like uh, later on. You know, You're very welcome to try it, Alfred. Like lines like that. <laughs> that I, that those are the things a lot of times that also stick with me because I like to extract the funny out of most things in life. So those are often the things that stay with me the most.
0: Yeah. Well, like this is a, this is supposed to be comedy. This is supposed to be serious. I don't want to hear nothing about your shawarma or America's ass. None of that here, okay? harumph Yeah, that's how I, I I do sum up some fandom at times, just with a big old harumph That's how I will describe fandom sometimes. Uh, but yeah, so Bruce gets a ro- uh, knee brace that turns his leg into Robo leg. He's able to kick park bricks without shattering his bones. But you're, uh, I do chuckle at what he does put it on. It's painful at first. And like you said, Chris, like Alfred's like, is it painful? Oh, you're welcome to put it on, Alfred. Oh, I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, but we get more inf- 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 uh, information about Bane, that he's a member of the League of Shadows, and he was excommunicated. He was too scre- extreme for the extreme terrorists. Like... <laughs> Like how bad can you like? Bane is really bad. How bad is it? it says Ed McMahon. He got excommunicated by the League of Shadows, <laughs> and it it just shows like a one thing that Bruce, Bruce 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 Wayne's one. He wants to die as Batman, and like he he he's on a suicide mission. He does, and like how Alfred says, he doesn't know how to live. He never lived after the passing of Rachel Dawes. Like his life shut down after a woman that he believes was going to wait for him, and just collapsed in on himself. (laughs) And Alfred warns him not to do this because it's not a life. You're just you're you're inert at this point, and it's a real sad sight to see.
1: You are cropped up again
0: for Bruce guilt yeah more guilt no slaps but more guilt
1: (laughs) i feel like alfred should have slapped him twice (laughs) yeah you want to die make sure there's an awkward uh pause between the the
0: first and second slap then maybe a nut (laughs) shot for good measure (laughs) your father would be ashamed of you you want to die out there like a martyr (laughs) takes his wallet walks away he took my wallet (laughs) <laughs> we do have a wallet but I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. did jump over it. Yeah. I, I apologize. Yeah, wallet that was, guy.
1: That, that was uh, right in the the middle of like our hey, he stole his wallet uh, joke run that we had
0: and somebody who's rewatched the back to future trilogy most of it this week uh i i really had to fight the earth not to text you chris or it does the both of you it's like he just stole a guy's wallet but it was like in the middle of the night i'm like no like i don't want to wake him up uh so the running joke of us uh enamored with wallet guy from back to future part two yeah i almost
2: hope that 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 guy that they steal the wallet from that selena and her friend i almost hope that that's a reference to back to the future but it's probably not but again my head canon is that it is the second back to the future reference of this movie with the first being christopher lloyd
0: <laughs> uh but the following day at the stock market everything seems to be going all hunky dory everybody's stonks. just uh songs <laughs> GameStop is, it's through the roof, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, bye, bye, bye right now, and not NSYNC style.
1: Maybe that's what, uh, maybe that's what Bane did. Maybe Bane's <laughs> the one that uh, shorted GameStop. GameStop.
0: Oh, God. But um, Bane arrives in the most subtle of all fashions by... Cracking the skulls of several security people with a uh, motorcycle helmet. Uh, and his terrorists take over the stock market. Which just leads to one of my favorite lines of the movie. Yeah. It is very, it's on the nose, but it's silly. Like, there's no money for you to steal here, says one stockbroker. <laughs> like, really? Then what are you doing here?
2: Why are you people here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also love the follow-up that, oh, it's not our money, it's everybody's. Really? Mines of my, ra- mines my mattress, <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's clearly afternoon while yes. this heist is going on. Yeah,
1: about that. Probably, probably the worst continuity mis- mistake throughout the trilogy. Either that, or <laughs> his
2: response c- time is just really down.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's been a long time for him. It's rusty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
0: Bruce Wayne had to crawl to his safe to get his legs out to get to be Batman, in the words of Jim Jeffries, Oh, God. No, mate, here's what it is. He forgot which keys on the piano to press to get in. <laughs> and he only had three strikes. Otherwise, it'd be locked forever. It wasn't like the password to Batman and Robin, where you could just keep doing it, and eventually you break into the back Your
2: yeah. piano just explodes. He actually got it from Michael Bay, so... <laughs>
0: Propels him across the room. Like, well, I guess I'll, I'll go into the scenic route. Yeah, you just cut to extreme white side of main manor to see a tiny dot just running across the lawn. Yeah,
2: yeah. No wonder they cut that. the The budget for the CG would have been just astronomical. For,
0: yeah, uh, but how do you feel about this, Justin? The, the The heist and the following chase and and the reemergence of Batman. <laughs> 45 minutes into this Batman movie.
1: Yeah, I think how long it takes to get here is one of the biggest problems, aside from the continuity issues. Um, Those two pretty big things aside, it is a pretty good chase, and it is fun to see him back as Batman, which is, you know, kind of why he made the movie. I mean, let's be honest... Um, it is it is a good scene I like how the cops especially uh, Matthew Modine's character is like well I've been waiting my fucking entire life for this let's go get us the
0: Batman <laughs> like the hate boner is extreme in this boner yeah. right, right here
1: uh, there's there's more just absolutely great over the top performances in this scene as well oh yeah with the uh the the old cop with the the rookie that's out there on his first time seeing <sighs> Batman. It's just
2: I hate <laughs> the way he delivers his lines. I hate it. It's, like, I, but I also love it. But I hate it. It's I roll my eyes every time. That's the other guy like, who's just in a completely different movie from everyone else. It's
1: it's it's like he's he's uh, a cop. From like Smokey and the Bandits, because <laughs> he's got that Southern accent, and it's like, "Hooey, we're out for a real fun night."
0: That bad boys out there cause whole kinds of trouble in Gotham City tonight. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I mean, you're in a real you're in for a real <laughs> show tonight, son. Phew, <laughs> we're yeah. going to catch Batman tonight. <laughs> Batman drives by in the General Lee. <laughs> it was it's not an impressive reemergence with Batman in a Dodge Charger but it was show-stopping nonetheless. But how do you feel about this Chris, the heist and the chase ensues? I love the chase.
2: I find the chase very exhilarating. I hate the cop. He distracts he pulls me out of that moment every time, but but yeah, uh it's it's just so funny how much matthew modine just really wants to yeah forget about those armed terrorists that just <laughs> held everyone hostage and took out guards and all that forget about that we got to get the batman and that's just so just like it's it's so it's so poetic in a way almost but yeah just completely disregard the armed criminals and and take down the batman but what it eventually leads to that little stunt where he like lines up the bat pod perfectly and shoots off of that ramp and then gets onto the higher level of the of the highway i always just enjoy that part like just batman and his toys just going out making a mess and then running away from it it's just it's <laughs> it's it's great i love it alfred hates it but i love it
1: well, you get the best line of the movie after after that, which is Alfred saying, "I can see from the television destruction that you've got your taste for wanton destruction back."
0: <laughs> You're saying I shouldn't do it? No, you, I say that you you had you led the uh, bloated police force on our chase with a bunch of new toys from Fox. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I'm young Michael Caine. In my impression, I'm not old Michael Caine. I'm more Cocky as him. Um, okay this is my hot take for the movie because all these things are lining up. Nolan's heart was not in the movie. Yeah. Because there's so many things that are like, you could have done another take. Yeah. Like, the continuity, like, it's it's mid-afternoon, then pitch black out. The, the, some of the line delivery, I feel like he's kind of checked out. He's like, yeah, like, fuck it, that's good enough. Like, like we said with Matthew Modine, like I'm gonna do what Jim Gore can never do. I'm gonna take down the Batman, uh, <laughs> like a rat in a like a rat kind of maze, or what have you. And but that 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 one shot, of that one cop losing his hat as it flies off when the bat flies away, still makes me laugh. It's it is goofy, but I laugh. Um, and I feel like the chase is cool, but compared to the chase in the Dark Knight, especially with the Batpod. It, it kind of seems like on autopilot. It doesn't seem as exhilarating to me, and maybe and then like later, like in a, in a moment, we get the Catwoman breaking into Daggett's place and the fight scene happens on the roof, and another big continuity thing. There's the fight scene between Catwoman, Batman, and the goons, and a goon just falls over, not getting hit. He's kind of like Ugh, and falls over, <laughs> and it's blatant right there and there. I'm just like, I don't know. I just feel like. It seemed like Nolan was on autopilot. And if that was the case, it really is remarkable to see this movie is as decent as it is if he was in that mode.
2: Yeah. It is sad, though, what we could have had had his heart fully been in it. Because we know what he's capable of. And just from the past two movies, it's like, you know, like how good this movie could have been if a few details, you know some of the finer details of the movie were smoothed over a little bit more. Maybe another pass at it, maybe another draft. And yeah, maybe maybe getting some better takes with some of these line deliveries and thinking some of this through a little bit more. But it's still a very watchable movie, I think, even for its length. But I think it could have been a lot more watchable had he maybe... I don't know what is—is is it the pressure of following up a movie like The Dark Knight? Is it the disinterest and the burnout after already doing two movies in this world? And he doesn't seem like the type of guy who ever sought out to make a, a trilogy of Batman movies, of comic book movies, to begin with.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a an interesting take. I think this this man hardly ever takes a break making films. Like, ever since, I feel like, The Dark Knight... Uh, sorry, Batman Begins. It's like every two years, he's got a movie coming out. And... Who knows? I mean... Inception couldn't have been easy to write or shoot. So... Maybe he is a little bit... Was a little bit burnt out. Um to say, I don't know for sure. Um, whatever the case is, I think we can all agree that at best, it's just kind of lazy. Look, I, I, I I, don't want to go so far as to say his, his heart wasn't in it, because... I mean, I still think the movie, you know, is really good. I think he put a lot of effort into, you know, the visual effects and um, the cinematography. It's just, you know, some things, for whatever reason, aren't as crisp as they were the first two movies of this trilogy
0: it's like i i i know it sounds like i'm dunking him i don't mean to but i feel like that's the vibe i get from watching this movie and i find it just disheartening um like if i was an armchair psychologist maybe the loss of heath weighed heavy on him in the making of this yeah. i don't know um maybe one day we will know i mean like i do have his so like it's i don't know if it's a, There is a book that came out uh, a couple months ago about Nolan, them the process of going through on Audible, and it's like it chronicles like every chapter being one of his movies like after the first couple chapters, and it is curious like in the early parts of the book they're talking about like so he split his time growing up here in the states and him over the UK, and he grew up in Chicago and you can see that with the use of Chicago and the Batman movies, but the fact that he grew up in the same suburbs as the John Hughes movies. So I just imagined like, which is true. And I'm like, huh, that's really weird. So you imagine Ferris Bueller just running through his house when he's like doing reverse photography with a super eight camera at one point, <laughs> not knowing what worlds, but to kind of collide that way. But in back to the movie where Selena Kyle is breaking into Daggett's, uh, penthouse to get the clean slate the exposition dump that happens afterwards <laughs> with like oh the clean slate you know the thing that we totally both know what it is but I'm going to spell it out anyway that it's going to erase every detail of your existence in all databases around the world Accessory sold you think separately a little too good? batteries not included <laughs> uh, in partner with Parker Brothers yeah <laughs> I bought it it doesn't exist and then then we have the the goons surround Selena Kyle and like she's like I mean it I'll, I'll do it I'll, I'll shoot you and Batman's like they know they just don't care <laughs> <laughs> as he like sits just like kind of like like an old lady on the side of that uh, fire escape and yeah it, it's been made many a jokes about Batman's voice especially in this movie particular yeah. it, I think it's the most extreme the entire trilogy the, the hoarseness it's like
2: it's bad. Yeah. And it to such a degree that the biggest talking point, I think coming out of this movie was there's a lot of funny voices going on, you know, (laughs) especially, you know, people, people at work just talking about, Oh yeah. The Bane's voice is weird. And then Batman's voice is weird. It's just weird. And at the time I didn't really think that much. I was like, Oh, whatever. You know, it's not a big deal. It's still a great movie, but Looking back, yeah, <laughs> some some really weird choices and the degree to which the Batman voice kind of uh, deteriorated, I'll say, from begins to this movie. It's just, you can't not laugh.
1: I, I agree.
0: I think... Uh... <laughs> Well, thank you for coming to this meeting, uh, no, Justin. <laughs>
1: hard hitting analysis is my middle name. Um, no, I, I I think it's memeable. Like the, the voices, like a lot of things in this movie are quite memeable, and I I it's. Unintentionally funny, but I I, I don't mind it. It, it. it just works. It's a comic book movie. And I know that these are supposed to be, you know, super gritty and realistic. But, you know, the actors can still have fun with it. And I, I don't think it, you know, detracts so much from the movie that it, like, turns it into, you know, just a farce. But it's, you know, I think both Tom Hardy and Christian Bale are just having fun with their roles, and they went, for whatever reason, over the top uh, in this chapter. Yeah. But I I I, I don't know. For you see, I I think with with Bruce, I can sort of you know. I can't write this off as, well, oh, he just hasn't been Batman in such a long time he's forgotten how to do his job. So that's that's how I'd explain it.
2: Yeah, it, it, it could be that. It just could be, again, he's rusty. He's been kind of on ice for eight years and he forgot how to do the voice the same way. I don't know, but yeah. I, I, I think the overall problem that I have with the voice is that it gives a lot of ammunition to the type of movie watcher who says, Oh, look how serious these things take themselves, these comic book movies. But the voice is so stupid. He sounds like an idiot. I think that's my biggest problem is that it, it kind of lends itself to being parodied by people who kind of look down on maybe they'll see the movie, but they're not invested the way you know, people like us are. So they'll take that and they'll say, he sounds like an idiot. He sounds so stupid. And people buy into this stuff and people love this. So I, I think that's the main issue I have with it is that it's so easily parodied. But I also, <laughs> within, you know, our own kind of bubble of people who, you know, love these characters and love these worlds, for some of the lines in this movie, I wouldn't have wanted him to have any other voice, especially,
1: so that's for- what that feels like. this isn't a car this isn't a car
0: (laughs) Uh, god damn it Chris like the fact that you sent me that video that parody video the dubbed version (laughs) of this movie with like the Bane rap and like all the other silly voices that happens in this movie when watching the movie in preparation for this episode I kept making that jokes along with the movie like <laughs> like the fight later on like combo breaker Bane wins and so on and like it's funny like this movie this flick has the one with all the funny voices but this is the one with that doesn't have the clown in it <laughs> it's, it's, very true very true uh it, it is baffling that way uh <laughs> Oh god, we'll we'll get to the Bane rap in a little bit, but uh, Yes. <laughs> so the reason why Bruce Wayne's um fingerprints were stolen because the Bane made bad stock uh, decisions on his behalf, ruining his fortune. He's booed out of uh, off the way- he's booed out of Wayne Enterprises. Uh his car is towed, everything is going to the shitter. Uh luckily um uh, Miss Tate and Bruce Wayne they knock boots um, at Wayne Manor, uh, which led to the realization what happens next. I'm like, so that's why Batman couldn't defeat Bane. He was all tuckered out. That's why he 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 did not have the stamina to fight Batman to fight Bane. That's why. Uh, so that's what that feels like. <laughs> it's been a long time. Excuse me. Why are you doing that voice? I mean, ooh ah. <laughs> His pillow talk as Batman. Oh, God. Jeez Louise. Uh, so, Batman goes to face off against uh, investigate where Bane is with the help of Cap'n, who betrays him, which leads to probably the most uncomfortable scene in the movie. It's the beatdown of Batman at the hands of Bane.
1: Great scene. Just, like, absolutely one of my favorite fight scenes from any movie.
0: How do you feel about it, Chris? I agree. I
2: love the physicality of Bane. That's something that we got away from in The Dark Knight, having such a cerebral kind of character like the Joker. He's not necessarily going to throw down in that way, and Bane to me is kind of like if you insert Brock Lesnar into a Batman movie and just let him run wild, you know. In in that way, I, I loved this fight, and I love, I love the back break. I mean, I hate it, but I love it. It's 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 so just ugh. Like I like tense up, like because. Good sound design, and and Oof. it's just it's it, it's it's akin to Marty's uh, head, the thud on the on the street when he gets hit by Sam mm. Baines. It's it's one of those for me. I always tense up a little bit. I I really I think that this is the scene where it is very apparent that no matter how goofy Baines' voice is, no matter how funny some of his line delivery is, this is where you kind of just go like oh yeah oh shit this is this is the the face of the league of shadows this is you know this is the biggest threat to batman batman can't use his usual tricks on bane because bane knows all the tricks and i think that's probably why bane for a while i preferred him to the joker just in terms of this trilogy coming out of this movie i was so hyped up on bane that i was like you know what i like him better than heath Ledger heath ledger's joker and in retrospect i don't necessarily feel that way anymore uh, nor do i feel that i like this movie better than the dark knight which is used to be how i felt mm. but all in all i think this is one of my probably one of my favorite scenes of the trilogy, this this fight scene here.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, this scene gave us so many memorable moments. Where like, I am the League of Shadows. I'm here <laughs> to fulfill Raja just destiny. Um, and it's still a meme to this point where like you have the back of Bane in the foreground, and then you have uh, green jar like in the background, and in his pink onesie, like going off against Bane, and like you have something really strong in the foreground and really uh, funny in the background, like my my th- my three-day bed of alcohol, huh, a multivitamin a day, like that's and stuff like that. Or when we had the joke where at one point Bane picks up Batman, and Batman's like, You executed my by- gang, <laughs> a psychopath, <laughs> and Bane's like, Kitty shot, kitty shot. Uh, and it really is, like, all jokes aside, it's unnerving, just like, Batman's throwing everything at him, and it's barely slowing Bane down, and you're like, and the fact there's no music, it's all natural sound, yeah. and you're like, oh, this is not gonna end well, and oddly, Batman and Bane fought on a catwalk in Batman and Robin 2, so, weird. Synchronicity like that Yeah and just take uh,
2: your pick as to which scene is better I mean it's just It's neck and neck
0: I I, I mean we don't have Robin falling into A vat of mint Chocolate chip ice cream that totally looks like Toothpaste (laughs) But every (laughs) Every Bane action figure comes complete Every Poison Ivy action figure comes complete with him Oh, Bane Um <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's how, like he breaks his mask which is with his bare hands and yanks it off of him and then finishes off Batman with the, the the back break which like we all as comic book fans like we're wondering like could they do that could they pull a nightfall in this with have Bane break Batman's back and they do but it's it's unintentionally funny like the line delivery of like I was wondering what would break first: your spirit grr, picks him off over his head, or your body crack. And I imagine that's how most Amazon delivery people deliver things to uh, like people <laughs> they don't like. They just like drop. They plop it down on the the uh, porch, um, and you're like, "Oh shit, Batman's taken out of the picture." And that's when we get into like the midpoint of the movie where Bane's plan goes into action here where he kidnaps members of the board to activate the the energy generator, which turns into the nuclear weapon. Uh, the GCPD puts down thousands of police officers into the subway all at once.
1: <sighs>
0: um, and then We have an attack on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the Gotham uh, (laughs) rogues. And they're isolated. Uh, Gotham Island is isolated by blowing up all the bridges. And like this is like the crux of most of the trailers are built around this set piece here. Uh, Justin, how do you feel about this and the turmoil of what's going on here?
1: First, I I think we have to say for as great as the fight scene was the decision to get rid of all the cops by sending all of them at the same time into the sewer system underground whatever yeah. <laughs> not uh, not not the best not the best way I would have handled this like... That's thousands of thousands of people.
2: Yeah, it really strikes me. I know Matthew Modine's character's name is Foley, but it really strikes me as more of a Chief O'Hara move. So you could, I, you could even maybe even say that, uh, that he is the Chief O'Hara, the fake Chief O'Hara, the Nolan Chief O'Hara of this movie. Both Irish names.
0: Oh, I see. We sent all the the, the Gotham police officers down into the subway. We'll smoke them out. By Gora. <laughs> um, it, it, it is a baffling choice. And when the cops come out of the subway months later. All clean shaven. All clean shaven and in clean uniforms. I mean, yep. it's. They're immaculate. Yeah,
2: they—they they had the Dollar Shave Club sending down, uh, sending down razors in those big uh,
0: packages. Guthrum, I bring you Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> I give it to you, the people. Mother's Day is uh, coming up.
2: One eight hundred flowers.
0: Oh, God. Nap for know how? 1877 Cars for Kids. Oh, God, in heaven. No, blow me up before you start singing that again. It's a lovely, lovely jingle. Oh, Lordy, 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 Lord. Uh, but I love how they they uh, accomplished the. Destroying of Heinz Field here in the movie where they they did just dig up holes into the uh, the field where stunt people would just run into they run their mark and they dive into the hole with a a few mortars would be set off later and but that was like the I don't know if some people would laugh at the part where Ward would turn around (laughs) after the long take of the field collapsing in on itself and they're like (laughs) I'm like those are They're all fucking dead, you you monsters. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, wow, what a hole. God damn it, I knew you were going to do
1: that. (laughs) You you get a seal here, a seal there, and then you get the alley.
0: (laughs) I'm like, uh, I I know Pittsburgh fans can be... Dedicated, but I don't know. This is extreme to take out the competition here. Uh, but the national anthem being sung, and then like later on, we see a tattered American flag before the revolution at the end of the movie. Like, yeah, it's no one's playing with American iconography here. Um, but and it, it, it's, like we said before, just the dedication to practical effects of like, oh no, we're going to be blowing up parts of the street and flipping cars for real, and <laughs> but we're running action movie reels that. John Blake's going to crawl out like, whoo, that was a close one, and immediately come to your car and go save Gordon. I'd be so pissed if he took
2: my car. (laughs) I'd be so pissed. You're never going to get that back.
1: Insurance isn't going to do anything. Especially in that economy. (laughs)
2: This is something that I really appreciate about Falcon and Winter Soldier right now is kind of the, oh yeah, after all these big battles happen and all this destruction, there are real people that have to deal with real consequences of all of this right now, and that stuff, man, real life is hard enough. Could you imagine?
0: I I mean, that's the whole conceit of Civil War. like That's the MacGuffin of Civil War, and that's why I think that movie was so successful, amongst a plethora of other things in that movie. But, it's weird where Blake runs into two people who work for Bane and he gets into a scuffle and he shoots both of them and, like, he looks at his gun after killing them and he throws his gun away like, ugh, I'll never use a gun again. The very next shot is him picking the gun back up.
1: And conveniently, it's the same two people he saw during the, uh, the stock market heist.
0: <laughs> oh, Yeah. You're the cop Like I don't know if it's just the writing or the directing here Like it's the the line They stick out like a sore thumb
1: I don't know Yeah the more I think about it The more more you two might be onto something But Like
0: like I said it's a depressive set piece And uh, John Blake going to save Uh Helpless Gordon in the hospital, who who still drops two dudes who enter his apostle room. Thank God those are actual terrorists. They weren't actually orderlies trying to get Gordon out of there that he just accidentally plugged. And he's like, oh, terrorists shot him. Yes, that's what happens to these hospital workers as he holds a smoking gun in his hand. But this eventually leads to... Bane giving his big speech outside of Blackgate prison which has held over a thousand people that are part of the Falcone crime family with no parole Um, so I just I just asked, I just raised my hand like well, but what about due process? This is not just a fascist state now that you that's what the Dent Act is like I don't know how can like I know tough on crime and everything but this seems a little extreme I, I have to be that like will actually person in the background and I shouldn't be having these questions here, but maybe I'm just, I might be overthinking it. And the lack of segregation
2: of just throwing a woman into a prison with a bunch of men, not a good look. That are hardened criminals? Yeah, not a good look. I don't care if she has fancy moves and she's obviously a very capable fighter and very smart, but it's a lot of men. And she's not safe there. So no, not a good look for the Dent act.
1: The, the, the men aren't safe there either. No <laughs> one's safe there. He's just asking for a death. Which doesn't doesn't seem how you should be uh, training criminals.
0: No. I'm glad
1: Harvey Dent died. <laughs> 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 oh, man. I can... ne- next up on Counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And the McLaughlin reports. Harvey Dent and the ramifications of his death. <laughs> uh, and so the neutron bomb is... T- <laughs> okay. I know I'm backing up a little bit here, but... <laughs> this bomb is armed. <laughs> this bomb is mobile. <laughs> and the identity of the Trigger Man is a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a murder in the office and you're the suspect
1: do you I practice this in your spare time that, always, that <laughs> line always no. reminds me of the other
0: <laughs> the office creed's like oh okay boss I'll be right back I gotta get some of my car runs to his car and peels out of there oh lordy lordy lord this is where we get the bane wrap. Oh, I'm Bane. Just,
2: <laughs> Who is the I only think...
0: person to have defeated me in freestyle? <laughs> only me. Only me. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. You. Only you, <laughs> DJ. Drop <Trouble> a beat.
1: <laughs> that might like, have been uh, the first uh, meme I saw from this uh, this film. Whoever <laughs> made it was right on the ball.
0: I, I I mean I, I think what sells it is when you cut to the war room of <laughs> the Pentagon watching this <laughs> and their stone face reaction to this rap. <laughs> oh man! But like how it ends, like, like I'm faster, smarter, clinically insane. <laughs> I'm pain. Who can stop me? And then like eventually you just hear somebody off camera just all like. You suck, Bane! Who said that? <laughs> Kill them all. <laughs> I mean, e- even earlier on where Bane confronts Daggett, where we have that moment, like, do you feel like you're in control here? When, like, Daggett's yelling at Bane here, like, like, I now you have all my men running around the city looking for strawberries. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> in heaven. Oh, this is this is derailed. This is derailed more than the trains in a, in a Nolan Batman movie. <laughs> They're waiting for a train. No, oh, God. Yeah, that's the one mode of transportation I don't want to find Nolan on. Is a train. Like, crashing this train. Woo,
1: woo. W- would you prefer him in a car moving backwards? <laughs> it would be a little
0: interesting. I won't deny that. Um... <laughs> But we have, like, this speech here where Bane says, like, yeah, uh, Bain, uh, Harvey Dent was a monster. This is all built on a lie, and now we have a revolution where the have-nots uh, take what they want from the haves. And as we had this conversation off mic prior to the recording, wow, this is uh, seems to be more relevant today than it was when it first came out. Yeah, it hits a little yeah. bit differently.
1: And what what's strange is that, you know, this movie had to be written, what, late 2010, early 2011 at the latest? So yeah. this is really before the whole Occupy Wall Street uh, stuff started to happen. So I think that didn't start happening until, like, August or September. Yeah. So this was written before all this happened and it's strangely prescient because it, I mean, Occupy Wall Street didn't go, you know, as far as it goes as as Nolan takes it in this movie, but the similarities are there. It really is just that Nolan
0: seems to have his pulse. The thing on the pulse when it comes to these things, like, Intentionally or unintentionally, it is kind of spooky, and like Nolan never got a formal film education. Like he got, like he went to university for uh, literature, um, and he obviously curves from stories when crafting his movies. And this obviously because it quotes from the movie. It later on, this is very much a tale of two cities. Yes. Yeah, and. I don't know, maybe like I don't know if it's I have a a weird gleeful smile on my face when the uprising happens I don't know if I'm supposed to have that or not
2: (laughs) No, you know again, it it just hits it hits a little bit differently especially now in, in the current state that we are in but ultimately I think that it's it's another example of just a cautionary tale about the dangers of extremism. But, you know, that's that's not to say that... You know, I don't think that Nolan necessarily had... I don't want to say that he had it in mind. I think it, it's, it's probably just a, a tale as old as time at this point. You know, the haves and the have-nots. I don't know if he necessarily had anything particular in mind and yeah with the timing of occupy wall street maybe a little bit of that was but more than likely i think it's just probably more so stemming from batman stories like no man's land and things like that i think maybe more of it just was a happy accident and for us now it's just kind of a trip almost a decade later so very weird experience watching this movie now as opposed to 10 years ago even even with occupy wall street being a thing
0: yeah it, it is curious here um and it's very much like no man's land which was a year long arc but that's the thing about no man's land that's like uh, like a thousand page story and i know Nolan's always escalated the stakes in each movie, so we have a gl- we have a city wide scale here in this movie, and it's obviously it's the end of the trilogy you want to go go big or go home, but I feel like even though we have this montage here i don't I feel like we don't get a real sense of how much disarray Gotham is in. We just have empty streets where we cut back to the city afterwards
1: yeah that's a good point um it would have been nicer to see, like, um, day-to-day life. Or, like, you know, at least scenes with Selena Kyle, just like, or uh, Gordon with uh, all his family's gone. But it just, you know, put us on, like, the ground level of what's it like being... You know, living basically under siege. Uh,
0: Like, hell, even Gotham couldn't really pull in the full scale of No Man's Land. Like, they they, they did a really good attempt at that, but I feel like even that show didn't... Was able to capture the entire feeling of the story. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going
2: to say, too. Yeah, Gotham, they had... They pulled in a lot of elements of it, but much like everything that gotham did it was it quickly became i feel something else if you will <laughs> we, we we need we, that sting we need that arrow we, sting we, right we there we did a lot of that on the uh, on the first two yep. <laughs> uh nolan batman reviews so only fitting that we we pull it back in but yeah this is and I, i'm going to say this and i don't mean to be one of those people where it's like the movie's too long but with how long this movie is and how much ground it covers and how many things are kind of glossed over i almost feel like this could have been its own like and this didn't exist at the time but like hbo max limited series Mm -hmm. and (gasps) that would be my preferred way of consuming it In this day and age, to be honest with you, I'm one of the people who really wish that they released the Snyder Cut in multiple parts because then it gives me a natural point to pause and come back to it another day. And I feel like watching this movie, I had to still pause and go do something else and pause and I have a Zoom meeting and pause and I have to, you know, go do a chore. And so I I, this movie watching it, I, I had to break it up into chunks. And this is one of the things that I feel like you really could have expanded upon had we had a really a streaming model in place around this time I would have been so interested to see Christopher Nolan take a crack at a Batman story in a limited series format just like my mind just wanders with the possibilities of what that could have been and that will never happen today but it, it does make me optimistic for something like that Gotham Central show That is in development because I feel like there are so many great stories you can tell in that format that when you try and cram it into a movie, it doesn't quite work the same way it works when you have a comic coming out and you know, each, each week or every other week or every month, and you can really sink your teeth into the story in detail.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that's not cinema. Chris. That's why you would never do a streaming series. Yeah, no.
2: I, 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 and again, I I don't know. I I know I'm being shitty. I, I know, I know. I know and I know and I know Christopher <laughs> Nolan would probably come in here and punch me in the face or or slap me twice if I if I said that. <laughs> but that that would just be my preferred way to consume something this long at this point. So, I'm all for The more type of limited series comic book, uh, like a Falcon and Winter Soldier-esque thing. Um, I'm all for that because to me it feels like a a kind of a more natural way to experience comic book content in live action.
0: That's understandable. But Batman has been dropped into a, a pit of a prison on... and. Anybody can leave whenever they want. However, they just have to climb up this chasm and make an impossible jump to do so. Um, and Batman's back is so messed up, he has got does have exposed vertebrae. Which he was laying on early in the movie, he didn't mind. But it wasn't until when he stood up, that's when the vertebrae really became a factor here. But this is where we have a... Long piece of... Okay. There's always the idea in movies like the ticking clock of like a... Oh, we have to stop, it, stop this before this happens. And we do have a little ticking clock because... Whether they set off the nuke or not... it the core of the neutron bomb is eroding and it'll go off in five months... Not really... That's a long fuse. It's not really... 5 months I'm like shit like I I can put this off until 2 weeks and then I I really start taking this <laughs> seriously to uh, like that's just me as a procrastinator. Um so and then Batman recovers. So uh, Justin, how do you feel about the whole set piece of Batman in this uh Hell on Earth prison? It definitely
1: takes um, a rewatch or two to uh to get your head around especially cuz we have no idea how much time is passing during this. You kind of get uh, a sense later in the movie when they start saying, well, bomb's going to go off in however many days from now. But for, like, the first... You know, all throughout Bruce's rehab, there's no mention of how much time has passed. And um, I'm no doctor, but uh, I, I don't think... It should be, you know, that easy to recover from having a broken back. You know, uh, uh, unless push-ups just have a uh, unique healing power.
2: You know, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but um, having seen season three of Cobra Kai, I will say that Back healing uh, or spine spinal injuries spinal injuries are in the movies and in TV just generally a lot easier to heal from than uh, let's say if you and I had our back broken. Uh, it's it's something that you just have to turn off your brain and I hate that because at no point in any of these other movies, do I feel that we have to turn off our brain Really But that's one of the things where it's like Okay yeah you just gotta go with it You gotta not think about it too hard Or else you're Not going to Go where they want you to go
1: uh, Like It's not like this guy's you know At uh, New York Presbyterian Like <laughs> he's, uh, it's, it's you know Somewhere out in the middle of nowhere Where some <laughs> some random uh, guy is treating him.
0: I was, gonna say, like, I was hoping, like, how do you dig yourself out of this hole, sir? <laughs> By
1: digging even more. Dig <laughs> up, like, stupid. I was going to say, like,
0: like, I was like, w- let me know where you fucking hit China, like, how far <laughs> you dig yourself through there. Um, like, did he wash his hands before he punches in the vertebrae back into Batman's uh... back? I don't think so. I don't want to dismiss any holistic and possibly more traditional uh, ways to healing, because there have been cases of that being able to do that. But it is a lot of suspension of disbelief. Like stand here until you walk and can? All right, or, I guess so. Yeah,
1: if if they want to go down this route, just like find a way to bring in the the Lazarus pit.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa! That's comic book shit. We don't allow that here. <laughs> <laughs> Just put in the gif of uh, Black Panther like we don't do that here <clears throat> uh, yeah and then we find out the backstory that uh Ghoul Ghul fell in love with the warlord's daughter and he was going to be thrown to prison but instead his, his betrothed wife like ends up taking his place instead who was with child the child escaped the prison um, and the child is believed to be Bane. Um. Looks more like Eleven. Yes, it, because it's not Bane. Shocker. Uh, spoilers. It's, uh, it's Talia Al Ghul. Um. Yeah, it, it, like, it's... I, I know, shocker. <laughs> um. And there the many attempts of Batman trying to, uh, Get out of there, but at first you don't succeed um, but but I, I I'm not gonna lie I still kind of cheer when he finally makes the jump
1: yeah. oh yeah it's a great moment that yeah that that is one of the best moments in the film
0: very cathartic even if the extras reacting are kind of awkward <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I hate like, the fact that Chris hey do you remember pointed that out on a podcast and I can't help but I can't unsee that now when he pointed that out to me and I'm like god damn
1: it like do, do they root for all of the uh, prisoners escaping <laughs> or you know just they're like throw down a rope like two or three assholes and they're, they're like well oh, I hope this really this guy really <laughs> falls I'm
0: just like ah oh, like 10 says he shorts it 20, 20. <laughs> 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 see the amazing yen would have gone out of there <laughs> that's why they need a grease man yeah instead they got a bag man <laughs> <laughs> such an ape um but like I guess like because it's hit with the huge we get the Batman theme this version of the Batman theme when he makes it out here so I guess we can change this into here what do you guys feel about the score overall for this movie yeah uh, Justin
1: oh fantastic I think, uh, out of all three films, I think I like this score the most. Hmm. Um, I just, Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan, they go really well together. And as much as I liked, um, some of the stuff Hans Zimmer did for, like, the Joker's theme in The Dark Knight... I feel like the Batman theme, when it's used in this film, produces more epic moments, to uh, use an overused phrase. Um, That, with the Selena Kyle theme, gives this uh, a very... two distinct themes that are... Very different from one another. And I feel like that raises it above the other two films.
2: I agree. I completely agree. This is my favorite soundtrack score of the three films. It always has been. I love The Fire Rises. I I, I just think the music is just so exhilarating. Um, and I've heard the Nolan-Batman... Uh, scores described as kind of lazy from in certain circles I've heard them described especially the Batman theme in particular as really just kind of lacking any or anything that makes it memorable and I disagree with that completely but in particular this movie I think walking out of the theater that music stuck with me you know all the way through the, the ride home and then I just remember getting home from my first viewing with so much energy from that that score that I went up and looked it up and just started listening to it and just thinking about the next time I'd be able to go see the movie. So I, I'm a huge fan of the music in this movie, particularly The Fire Rises. I think that's, I think that's the one by far, out of the three, it's by far my favorite.
0: I I still really enjoy this score, but I do miss James Newton Howard's contributions to this because I love their balance in The Batman Begins and the Dark Knight score because Hans Zimmer is great at writing the great epic bombastic score and Newton Howard's humanity that he brings with his pieces was a nice balance but I I think I may have said it on when we did the Dark Knight episode, but my favorite track off the Dark Knight soundtrack is the Harvey Dent piece because it sounds nothing like anything else in the score. It it, it sounds like something that could be in Lord of the Rings. It's very Howard short like. It's very warm and corn gold corn gold in that way. And obviously they're going for a different thing. And James Newton Howard like he bowed out for this project because he saw how well. Zimmer and Nolan worked together on Inception. He's like, you know what? You guys got this. I think you guys can do it on your own. And they, with the exception of Tenet, Zimmer scored everything since then. Um, it's a really good score. And The Fire Rises, like, it, it is one of those things that just gets you pumping. And, like, the theme, like, the... Like, and, like the Deshbi bashara even though it's like dish dish washer washer dish dish washer washer as my friend mike likes to say <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah. but it's one of those things like people have made like gym mixes of like the nolan uh scores on youtube that i've listened to often a lot of the dark Knight rises soundtrack is in there um but going back to something what you said before chris like there's only one batman theme according to danny elfman
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, and it's oh, not no, and, Danny Elfman, and it and it's and it's not by and it's not by Olivia Newton-John.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez! But like, I, I would describe at least the Batman theme is minimalist. Yeah, yeah. About like that, and then like the the horns like coming in every now and then. But, um, so Batman escapes from the prison and miraculously ends up back in Gotham. (laughs) It's just. Much to the chagrin of a lot of people. It's it's just
2: like how, and we talked about this in prior episodes, just like how on Arrow, how they'd get to Nanda Parbat and back, like they were just going around
0: the corner to pick up milk. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like that. Well. Like like it's it's like it's, it's around the corner of the cafe eddies and then there's Nanoparbat, that's where it is. <laughs> you see a guy named Ray Sad just, just say, say no, no. <laughs> Guy named Raz
2: <laughs>
1: Am I saying it right? Raz <laughs> Al Ghoul the first, the first time I heard the movie, I might have said this during the uh, the Batman Begins podcast. I can't remember, but the first time I heard that the delivery of that line, I was like, "Did he just try to say Raz Al Gore and completely flub it?" <gasps>
0: it's radical Al Gore. Uh, it's he comes in on a, on a skateboard a backwards baseball cap. He's drinking a monster.
1: <laughs> hey, all you fellow kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the environment. It's cool, man.
1: <laughs> Raz Al is the uh, alternate – sorry, Raz Gore is the alternate universe where after losing the 2000 election, uh, Al Gore just becomes an international terrorist. <laughs> an eco-terrorist? Yeah, yeah.
0: I'd be like, like – I'll shoot <laughs> like, uh, after an inconvenient truth Like he goes full fan I was like Fine I'll do it myself <laughs> Um. So yeah Batman I say fuck you shows up. I do it myself <laughs> uh. Uh, his, One of his trusted aides Goes up to Raz Al Gore And says Strike this motherfucker out <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> can we crowbar more major league <laughs> lines into this podcast? I'm not sure. Are you trying
2: to tell me Jim Gordon can't hit a curveball?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, oof, I don't know how he's kind of a ball in this movie. I don't yeah.
1: know. When we get to uh, interstellar four years from now, we can uh, <laughs> we can definitely inc- incorporate uh, major league into that because yes, the baseball we can. scenes, yeah. Interstellar uh, uh, no, baseball we
0: have, movie. We have to wait seven years because that's how long it is. Because they're on there, and every hour is seven years back on Earth. We got to wait seven years to do the Interstellar podcast. <laughs> um, but while this is going on, like the, the military try to overthrow um, Bane to uh, to no avail, which did lead to one of the most frightening images from the movie, where the military dudes are just hanging from the Queensboro Bridge. And this is very much... There's another Batman story this takes a lot from. It's called Batman the Cult. Where there is a... Evil... Deacon. I know that sounds... Deacon Blackheart who's rallied all the homeless... In Gotham City. Into one giant cult. And revolts against Gotham City. And ends up br- capturing Batman and brainwashing him for a little bit. And a lot of the structure of that story is in part of this movie. Maybe a little bit more should have been in there. But... Um, Like, the image of, like, the soldiers being hung from the bridge comes to that comic. Um, It's interesting because
2: Bruce Wayne rallies the homeless of Gotham into one giant coat.
0: Nice coat.
1: (laughs) Nice coat. This isn't a coat. (laughs)
0: Um, So Batman spends his entire time, instead of stopping the bomb to pour gasoline on the bridge and recruit everybody that he can but at the same time gordon is captured and he's gonna he faces the kangaroo court where the scarecrow says uh either death or exile and okay there's a line here that gordon says to the scarecrow like crane (laughs) If you think we're going out there on that ice, you got another thing coming. And every time he says it, I just hear the chorus from Judas Priest, you got another thing coming. The riffs are coming, like, you got another thing coming. Now, now, you got another thing coming. And I may edit that into the end of this episode. I may not. We'll see. And the listeners will know for sure. Judas Priest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hedge. <sighs> Our old professor, like would just exclaim every once in a while in the middle of a tirade, just like, "Jonas priest, can you believe this, and we're all just nod in solidarity yeah, at yes, the ba- sure. at the babblings of him, yeah,
2: yeah, and then uh, and then scarecrow he fucked him <laughs> death by exile, <laughs> what <is> he- oh. <laughs> why do we make him sound like Mickey Mouse,
0: <laughs>
1: oh God. <laughs>
2: Oh, by the way, this is
1: merely a in the court. Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> His voice did get high pitched.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really did. Uh, I am, I am stretching it. I realize that. Uh, and by the
2: way, I'm happy to report. Um, I always thought that Death by Exile would be like a really great death metal band name, and I'm happy to report that there is a death metal band in Germany called Death by Exile. So, (laughs) just in case anyone was wondering about that, it's in the Metal Archives Encyclopedia Metallum. So, yes, Death by Exile, out of Germany.
0: Hey Hans, we have an uptick in our downloads this month. I wonder why.
2: That's my
0: ducks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. With the mighty ducks. uh, Is it? New series yeah, on Disney Yeah, Plus? Game Changers. Yeah, I've been watching that. Um, I, like, we a friend, like, a uh, friend of the show, Brent Clark, posted about that, and I'm like, hm. and since one of the actors was on, my doses on Daredevil, I'm like, I'm like, the avocados oh, oh, oh. of hockey playing. That's what I describe them as. <laughs> <gasps> because I decided to rewatch Daredevil, and I'm little, like, I... I was on a roll through season one and season like halfway through season two. And as soon as Punisher got captured, I'm like, all right, I'll come back to this eventually. Because <laughs> that's when the hand comes over and I'm like, all right, oh. this is when the season becomes a lot less interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's it's that you gave it the old hand
0: wave. <laughs> we had all the zingers here, yeah. everybody.
2: It, it's it's funny. The, the first season of Daredevil, I was like, oh, my God, it's Fulton Reed. And now going back and watching the Mighty Ducks, I'm like, oh, my God, it's foggy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! Like the fact that he doesn't bash somebody in Daredevil is a little disappointing. Yeah. Um. So, Gordon is led out onto the ice. Speaking of uh, hockey, but Emilio West saves him. <laughs> he comes in and just he checks them all into the boys. All eight goons at the same time. The Minnesota Miracle Man. <laughs> Was that Charlie Sheen? No, that was Emilio Estevez. <laughs> All right, I, I respect that. But even I get giddy here when Batman saves Dent here, and Dent strikes up the flare, and Batman walks out of the darkness. That's pretty badass. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. And the the, the Batman logo in flames on top of the Queensboro Bridge. Um... Hoping to God it doesn't do anything to the suspension cables whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Batman unintentionally killed people a few days later. structural integrity uh, failed. That, that's why you need the
1: infrastructure bill. So that's what that feels like.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, did somebody, like... There was that video on Instagram, like, early in the year. It was... I think it was the Verrazano. In a very windy day, you just saw the like, a, just going up, like, up mm. and down like waves. I'm like, a it bridge should not sh-.
1: do, It is supposed to do that. It
0: is, that's how it maintains yeah. itself? Okay. Yes. Otherwise I'd just be terrified. <laughs> maybe, maybe not, you don't notice that because you're in a car, but if, like just standing still and you just see the bridge doing that, I'd be like, oh god, no. I, <laughs> I, I need to get out of here. Yeah, I hate bridges. <laughs> I hate oh, bridges. So I. I hate
2: bridges almost as much as I hate uh, the idea of living in a House on the side of a mountain, and I talked about that a lot in the Batman Begins episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting to like a lot of Freudian phobias yeah, here this, on these. It's my episodes. fear
2: toxin—it's
0: <laughs> truly—and um, so Batman helps uh, John Blake get the, the officers out of the subway, and they're going to re- lead a t- a full frontal attack. On the Death Star. I mean, City Hall. Um, And and so, everything's starting to come together here. Like, a plan is coming together. But um, we have this moment here of just a, a little bit of silence before the huge assault that happens. And it just sums up the gravitas of this moment here. Because it's all real extras that he has. Like, a thousand people. And the fact that we had a, a, a schoolmate of ours was part of the extras here in this scene. And he would go on to do a lot of extra work in the city. Um, but how does, Justin, I'll start with you. Like, how do you feel about the, the first part of the climax of this movie here with the things starting to come together? Like, we got to stop the nuke being set up with this kind of remote uh Jammer, and we got to take out Bane and get people out of here before the bomb goes off, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, it's it's all really Star Wars esque. I think you uh, summed up nice and succinctly with uh, that analogy. I think it's it's done really well. Again, cinematography here is just gorgeous because there's snow on the ground. You got the uh, the officers marching towards battle. Again, great job by Nolan by not scoring that shot. Uh, I think it's just... It's just ambient noise as they go to, uh, to City Hall. It's really well done. It sets up the stakes really well. You know what every... You know what the job of every... Uh, part of the action is for. Um, even though I think the, the biggest problem with the climax itself is that um, during the chase scene where they're looking for which truck has the bomb in it, that can get a little bit confusing. But all the stuff involving City Hall... I think it's really shot well. Um, And you you get a sense of the stakes. So I, I think it's a pretty good part of the film.
0: And
2: you, Chris? I really like Foley's trajectory and how he kind of takes charge in this moment here. That's one of the things that I always appreciated about this moment here i mean on one end of the spectrum you have jim gordon just kind of risking life and limb you know with the with the truck and the bomb and just bless him i i i i love as 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 much of gary oldman's performance in this movie is is a little bit i don't want to say off but there are just some some odd line deliveries i think we've mentioned but seeing him seeing him just kind of going for it at the end. uh, I I love that. And I love, I love Foley leading kind of the troops into battle. The one thing, and it's, it's a very superficial thing that is kind of oddly unsatisfying for me is seeing Batman fighting in broad daylight. It doesn't quite work for me. It's just doesn't seem right. I don't know why and that might just be me it just doesn't seem right
1: it, it, I think it's the only time in the trilogy sorry to interrupt I think it's the only time in the trilogy we see him fighting the day
2: yeah it, it. yeah it is and it's weird because my Batman fandom a lot of it is built upon a love of Batman 66 and that is as we know that is, that's the light night, and he operates exclusively in the daytime but seeing a cinematic Batman that's not Adam West fighting in the middle of the day, something about it feels a little underwhelming, especially for such a climactic scene.
0: Well, Bane, I'm gonna stop you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a few things here. One, Gary Oma does go for it, and there is some line delivery that is, is a little hammy. Like... like one you have in those situations, I hope you have like a friend that I did <laughs> and plunge your hands the into filth. The filth. <laughs> and, but like, I, even with that said, I've come to this realization: even in a bad movie, not saying this is a bad movie, but just just bad movies in general, I think audience members will appreciate an over-the-top performance than an understated performance. Oh yeah, when there's somebody just like this, like who's like it's like, like a dead fish, like not doing anything. I mean, yeah, you can have some fun with it, like, riff track style, but, like, if somebody's over the top and, like, going for it with acting with a capital A, I think that just elevates whatever movie they're in.
1: That's what makes Ian McDiarmid so good in the Star Wars prequels.
0: Yeah, because he knows precisely what movies he's in.
1: Yeah.
0: Him and uh, Christopher Lee. Yes. I've been looking forward to this. Twice the pride. (laughs) Double the fall. (laughs) Um, and yeah, uh, Foley's kind of like a redemption, going from kind of a being a little bit of a coward after during the second act, and him redeeming himself to be the the leader that they need right there is very nice to see. And it's funny where we made an eleven joke earlier; we don't even realize that we have Papa standing right in front of <laughs> yeah. us as Foley. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh. Yeah. Um. So I feel it's kind of like a right there um, but yeah and like it is odd to see batman fighting in broad daylight in you could say like it what it's one of these things is not like the other like something I it doesn't it doesn't seem right like harsh daylight that's bouncing up a suit that's supposed to be meant for the shadows yeah but i think that's what makes this one unique And there's moments where I always think of what heroes look at. Like, there's moments when I think of. When I think of heroes in movies. Like, I think of. In Return of the Jedi, when Luke throws his lightsaber away to face off against the Emperor. Like, he's not going to fall into the Emperor's hands right there. Or Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade, when he finally regains himself and. The, he's silhouetted when he's faces off against the guards and the minecart illuminates him very slowly and then he punches that one dude who goes flying across the screen. I see, like, that's a hero right there. And there's another moment right here where Bane and Batman are doing the old fisty cuffs and they're going up the flight of stairs and Batman's, even though he's mentally stronger here, he's still not physically... But he's not going to let that stop him. And he kind of gets pushed up the stairs. He turns around. He faces Bane off face to face. He's like, I know I can't beat you with, like, muscle for muscle. But I'm still going to outfight you one way or the other. And he eventually does by hitting the bullseye on his face by attacking the mask. You feel like that's something you would have gone yeah. to
2: earlier. but It's like hitting the Z on the putty patrol. It's like, <laughs> hit the Z and they go away.
0: Um... But like he damages the mask And like nearly drop Kicks him through the, the doors of city hall And this is where The people who take Christian Bale's voice as has the most Is in this scene here Where Batman's demanding a, Where's the trigger for the bomb And I would, I would Recreate it in a very subtle fashion Where's the trigger? Where's the trigger? You never understand. Like he's like his jowls are shaking when he says this. You're like, what is going on here? But I like just go back to what I'm saying. I rather you go over the top than understate because it just makes it more fun. Oh, it's but, fun, uh, all right. He he sounds like Hulk Hogan underwater. <laughs> now listen brother I need the trigger from you right now or I'm gonna take it I'm gonna show you these 22
1: these inch pythons right here so Batman was the third man <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and,
0: and instead of Anne Hathaway sure, we just see the ultimate warrior theme and like Dan, g- 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 g, and warrior just comes running out to stop him from Bane um but uh we find out that, that Bane is not the child of Ra's al Ghul, but it's actually Talia. And and Batman is shocked as if a reveal of an R.L. Stein book just hit him in the face right there. <laughs> <laughs> Bo- <laughs> Marengo? <laughs> raggy Raggy So I scoop It was totally the uncle all along <laughs> Oh shit
2: Scooby-Doo Yeah uh, Rode around a van and solve mysteries
0: <laughs> That's not true Yeah, yeah that's true Hey little friend Scrappy-Doo It's <laughs> funny Um, yeah, so, shocker of all shocker, Miranda's actually tally out Ghoul, and, long speech, long speech, monologue, monologue, and tries to blow up the city, but, thankfully, Gordon's able to... uh, She didn't put the batteries uh, in, like, Danny and Russ? (laughs) You see, when you take your mind off (laughs) it in a second, I know, I know. (laughs) Um, so, Miranda goes to deal with Gordon personally. Uh... And Bane tells him that we were going to have to imagine the fire. Uh, and Batman gets out of killing Bane by having Catwoman do it with the Batpod. Yeah, that's how you just
2: adhere to that rule. You just have literally anyone else kill the person <laughs> and not not make it Batman.
0: Because <laughs> early in the movie, Batman says no guns, no killing. And then machine guns a lot of things in this climax when he gets back in the Bat. Uh, the The Bat the bat yeah. uh, so Chris what's going to be the title for the bat plane uh, the bat really yeah fuck it let's go see,
2: see this is why I, I agree when you say it, it felt a little bit like he, his heart wasn't in it. <laughs> yeah he's got a big plane it's called the bat whatever what's...
1: <laughs> a bat just like a submarine <laughs> S- submarine,
0: Mister Wade, like a submarine. <laughs> um, uh, Foley gets killed off-screen in a very over-the-top fashion, like he, like he's posing. He got like thrown he thrown off the hell a hell pose. In a cell. <laughs> Oh my god! He's broken in half. Uh and so we got the huge chase here between the bat um the cat the penguin I mean wait <laughs> no uh the bat the batmobiles um uh, and I kind of wish Like, I understand like these are combat vehicles they didn't spray paint them or anything these like the these are the ones that didn't come in black but I wish Bane like customized and like spray painted his own logo on there or something I don't know to make him more unique big mask on the front yeah well, I mean With his look, rap name <laughs> <laughs> I mean like fuck I, I, WB would have ate up like do you know how many toys we can sell out of that <laughs> um, they still can I mean you're not wrong but this is where like a more wizardry here because a lot of this scene was shot with a real a the shell of the bat on like on a crane arm that's dragged behind the car with an actual animatronic batman in the seat and then they would shoot a clean take over nothing there and they'd master it out to make it look like it's flying and because the cgi in the scene that that is used it is inaccurate. you can't tell like oh this is clearly animation here yeah no it all looks it all looks
2: seamless it all looks really good so it it again it's one of those things where i never even Think to myself, yeah, no, this wasn't. I, oh yeah, Christopher Nolan. He somehow he somehow invented this uh, hover technology, and uh, invented this this huge gigantic machine and made it fly. That's in my mind when I'm watching the movie. I totally buy into it because it, it it looks really really good and seamless.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, this all three of these films, the special effects and the the practical effects. Uh, flawless i mean
2: just i mean what else can you say yeah Yeah. the upcoming death scene
0: not so much yeah uh uh, miranda's death and uh john blake's reaction to the 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 bridge being blown up (laughs) and and then batman some days just can't get rid of a bomb (laughs) justin it's all yours
1: you kill us. You kill us, you son of bitches. Sons of bitches! <laughs> <The purposes. laughs>
0: Bunch of hounds just run they escape uh, Gotham
2: Island. It is well known that Bane is a turkey junkie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no turkey savages, no turkey savages! <laughs> <island>, all gone. <laughs> Uh, but, Justin, how do you feel about how the, the climax of the movie comes to an end?
1: I, it gets the job done. I mean, you kind of have to ignore the literal fallout of what happens. <laughs> but, um... I mean, you know, it's, one, again, shot really well. Very... Very believable. Um... Should we talk about uh the Gordon Bruce Wayne like <laughs> here by all means, yeah, I feel like i again, just you know as as a cop in <laughs> Gotham, Jim Gordon's probably <sighs> had to console a lot of grieving kids. Are probably probably became orphans. In fact, we know because there's another fucking orphan <laughs> right in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to save 30 other orphans. Yeah. So, I mean, for him to just, you know, automatically say, uh-huh, uh oh yeah, this all makes sense now. Um, kind of just, like, pulled it out of a hat.
2: And he just delivers that line in such a way that if, if the dialogue that followed was "Why are you dressed up like Batman?" I would <laughs> I, I wouldn't even bat an eye.
0: <laughs> because he is Batman, you moron. Was <laughs> that's
2: I, I feel like as we you know rush to the goal here. There are moments like that and Talia's death and, you know, as I mentioned, hey, you should call yourself Robin, that just kind of feel a little bit shoehorned in or, or not as as good, not, you know, they didn't, I don't, I feel like they didn't accomplish, you know, from an emotional standpoint, what they should have as we're watching. Um, just so many things like that as, as we go to the end, but it still gets me as he Batman is flying off trying to get rid of the bomb and uh he you know he kind of he and the bat he flies around that corner and and the kids go oh that's Batman and I'm like you're damn right it is <laughs> you're damn right that it that's yeah that's the moment you know it it makes it all okay again and I do like the score As he is flying off over the ocean. I do like that. And that type of angelic choir score can really be kind of cliche in a lot of use cases and situations. But here I like it. I think it is very apropos. So all in all, the moment is not, you know dampened in any way for me here i really think the climax still grabs me and i think that's the most important part you know because that's what everything is building up towards so i think they accomplished the goal but i think that there are definitely some little nitpicks here and there and things that i wish were a little bit different
0: yeah I, i mean like so Marion is a brilliant actress in a lot of movies. I mean, she she won Oscar for playing Edith Piaf, and she was terrific as in that role. And the fact that she gives like a high school level Juliet death here is just like like I can't help but laugh. And like it, like really, that's the take you went with, like the <laughs> and like you just had like you you have to expect like a character from South Park, she's so, like. Well, they're not really dead until they shit himself. <laughs> All right, now she's dead.
1: It's even more disappointing because she had a great death scene in Inception. Yeah. Which was two years before this. One movie before this.
0: Like I said, I don't think his heart was in it. Um, yeah, and like after the revelation that Batman's Bruce Wayne, uh, Jim Gordon found out we landed on the moon. <laughs> He's like holy shit we landed on the moon <laughs> Very much like dumb and dumber um, uh, Yeah and I-, I know a lot of people like give this shit Where like how the hell did he get out of there When he didn't have to fix the autopilot I'm like it's called rope He probably just tied off the, the clutch of the The bat plane and jettisoned it Or jammed it somehow And then there you go Nope he did um, it off screen
1: yeah, like, fix it off screen. Just yeah. It's like
0: the bigger the bigger question is, like that's barely a few miles away, and like the fallout of a nuclear explosion that close, like Gotham's irradiated one way or the other. Like there's gonna yeah. be some kind, like all the fish are gonna have the Joker's face on it in yeah. a few months. Well,
2: I clearly I think the subtext that we are to read into this here is that he had an escape refrigerator ready, yeah. that just <laughs> dropped out of
0: the bag.
1: Damn you, Indiana Jones. It was lead-lined,
0: okay? He was prepared for it. I do like the um, idea, though, of him climbing
2: out on a rope, and then a shark comes up and bites his leg like in Batman
0: the movie. <laughs> oh, no, not like this! And he's screaming, like, Quint in, in Jaws, like, Aah! like, really over the top. Oh, lordy, lordy, lord. <laughs> uh, but it... Like as much as I, I, I've i given shit this movie for nearly three hours we've been doing this but and the podcast has taken this movie but I will I'd be lying to say like rewatching this moment for the movie where he's gained the bomb out of the city which I know it's it's evocative of Batman 66 like I'm half expecting like, a, a marching band to are going womp 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 <laughs> bombing down the street um I can't help but cheer when he gets it out of there and, like, like, yeah, like you said before, Chris, that's Batman right there. That's a Batman move thing to do. And him, like, sacrificing himself. And the fact that comic books are often told to be a perpetual second act. Like, you have the origin, the majority of the run is the second act of their, like, their existence as characters, and the third act is the death of that character. And so it's eventually brought back. But the fact that this movie has a be- definitive beginning, middle, end is a remarkable thing for these movies. And I think it compared to things like X-Men The Last Stand or even Spider-Man 3, which I think Spider-Man 3 is aged a little bit better than people give it credit for. I think this one's a little bit better than people, I think with the power of hindsight, I think people will be more favorable to this movie. Um, but uh Blake is uh totally not 80 yard Robin. um uh, like you should use your real name Robin like, mm-hmm. like it just that just annoys me he <laughs> finds the bat cave Gordon gets up on the roof and didn't realize the bat signal was repaired um and uh Michael Michael Kane goes uh cries at the funeral of Bruce Wayne which I love how in order to protect that secret that Batman was going to die here, it, they had a different name on the gravestone. I think they had, they had Marion they had uh, Marion Cotillard's character's name, and they had Christian Bale on set just so if anybody took pictures, nobody would suspect that Bruce Wayne was going to die in this. So, Christian Bale was just kind of standing there, just like, "Yep, I'm getting paid to do nothing today." Um,
1: just the like orphan- Bruce Wayne. <laughs>
0: Uh, the orphans get to, the orphans get to live in Wayne Manor, and somehow they're not going to find out that there's Batman living in their basement. They have a Batman in their basement. <laughs> I can't believe I get the I get the crowbar that references this uh, episode. But and Alfred gets to see Bruce happily at the end, and when that theme kicks in, he gives it heading on to Bruce. I'm not going to lie. I got giddy and and I smiled ear to ear like an idiot. But how do you guys like I'll ask you Justin thoughts on the ending and then we'll we'll so we'll move into final thoughts. So Justin, how do you feel about the ending?
1: Yeah, I think it ended as perfect as it could with that uh that last shot. <clears throat> Excuse me and the the theme music blasting one last time um it it's a little bit difficult to to follow the first time I watched it because it sort of you kind of went through so many reactions so quickly that the first time i I watched it I either missed or couldn't process that um the scene with Lucius where he discovers that the autopilot. Had magically been fixed. And it, it took me until the second time through for me to pick up on that line. Or maybe I had read about it on the internet a couple of days after. But like, so I wasn't expecting much to happen until, you know, uh, they show my uh, they showed Michael Kane and, uh, in Italy, in that, that final scene, and then once I saw that, I was like, "Ah, he survived." But still, I mean, it's it's one of those fist pumping moments. Nice.
0: And Chris,
2: yeah, that ending does it for me every time. It gets me from the point where Batman sacrifices himself, quote unquote, <laughs> up and up up until that last shot of John Blake ascending. I am just like in awe, you know? And I, I think that's partly why I've always been so high on this movie because the feeling that it leaves me with when it's over is just like, yeah, that's what I, that's what I go to the movies for, you know, that's why I had such a great experience watching this movie, you know, over and over in theaters. And, every time I watch it, it just leaves me with that, that sense of kind of want to start over again, start from Batman begins again, but I do not have that kind of time in my life anymore. Unfortunately, (laughs) I will always love that ending though. And I feel like I could probably just watch the ending, you know, maybe the last five minutes or so and still get that same experience and not have to carve out an entire day to watch this movie. (laughs)
1: I think what this movie does so well Is it opens with a great scene And it closes it with a great scene Mm. And There are, as we've talked about A lot of great scenes Sprinkled throughout this whole movie But it's so important That you start your movie on a, a high note And then cap it on an equally high note And... This movie does it. And it's even more important, because that's that's the last scene, not just of the movie, it's the last time we see a Chris Fingel and Batman movie at all. So, you know, to close it off on that note, just so important, and I think they got it exactly right.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I know I've been I I I possibly been the most negative voice here, but he knows how to end a movie. He knows how to work a montage into an emotional catharsis for the audience, and he's done it successful times since. I mean, I think maybe Dunkirk might be his best version of that because I feel like. like because, from a warfare standpoint, Dunkirk, Dunkirk was a failure, but it was also an emotional victory because of, like, all right, we're going to come back and win. And I think that movie does that, much like how this one does, where, <sighs> yeah, this is ending, but. Obviously, the Dark Knight literally rises with John Blake and to be as Batman. Um, Will he be as successful as Batman? Will he not die on the first day of the job? That remains to be seen. Kill two people his first night out? Probably. Um, He accidentally drops him off a uh, uh, roof like, Shit! Well, that serves you right. That's your fault. Um, Yeah, like, it's it is it is impressive to say the least because you had two gargantuan movies before this and yeah I think this is the weakest of the three but the fact that I think it really does stick these final movies is a really good landing and we didn't even talk about it earlier because we I felt like we had to rush it a little bit but like the breakup between Alfred and Bruce earlier on yeah. and then like his speech here at the grave of Bruce like it's Michael Caine is really selling here, and he's giving it his all. And just the the joy, the love on his face at the end, when he finally gives a nod to Bruce, like ah, hits me right in the chest. And the fact, like, yeah, this is the last Nolan Batten movie. And it's like, even if it, like I said before, even if he is on autopilot, it's really impressive what he could do on autopilot because a lot of people giving their all couldn't do that. Um, let's give our final thoughts on the trilogy, and then we'll. <clears throat> We'll wrap this up, Justin. Final thoughts on the trilogy.
1: Honestly, it's it's one of my favorite uh, film trilogies. That it should deserve to be up there with the original Star Wars, with the Lord of the Rings. These are, you know, masterpieces. I think you know, all three of them are somewhere in the top twenty of my favorite films that I've uh, that I've ever watched. And um, it's what sparked me to uh, become interested in Christopher Nolan's films. Like, i would probably not into Inception or Interstellar if not for, you know, watching Batman Begins when it came out 16 years ago.
0: (sighs) 16 years. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yep time just keeps us slipping uh, Chris
2: thought, final thoughts on the trilogy I still really love this trilogy and that's not to say that I'm blind to its issues I think I'm more keen to point them out now than I was you know closer to the movies having come out I think now with a little bit of time and, and space being removed from those emotions of just the elation of these movies existing in the first place you know back over a decade ago i i can see them for what they are now but still really enjoy them for what they are because there is there is a lot to enjoy there and i i think that there is also there are a lot of great memories for me that i will always carry with these movies i never got to experience batman 89 in a theater now i still have so much love for that movie and i go back to it probably more often than any other batman movie but these movies will always be a little bit more special to me because I was able to be alive at the time that they were released and experience, especially with this movie in particular, experience the hype and experience just have that in theater experience, which these days is something that I really do long for, for especially for a Batman movie. Um, I've never felt more disconnected from Comic book content in general than I do as of as of now as of 2021. I feel, I feel maybe a little not burnout but just a little numb to everything so much constantly. So going back to revisit this movie in particular and the trilogy as a whole really is a great reminder of why I do have a a great love for these stories in the first place.
0: Very nice. Yeah, it, it is. Like these movies literally changed the landscape of not just comic book movies but movies in general. Like we said before, the idea of a reboot wasn't a thing until the success of Batman Begins, and how many reboots of properties we've seen since then. Of like, oh, that didn't work, reboot it, and which is—it's become a joke at this point, and that's not the intention of the filmmakers for this trilogy, but the approach to the. Idea of like no, it's going kind to of try and make this really real, which is, it, I think, the trilogy has had just as many positives as it has negatives on comic book movies because it's made people like like these they've considered these are the only ways you can do comic book movies, but no, like comic books in general are as varied as Baskin Robbins flavors and more, and like you could have so many different flavors to kind of what you can do for comic book movies and comic book stories and. I don't think that was that was not their intention I don't think that was like oh no these are the only ways to do comic book movies but I feel like they've accidentally made people jaded to other different takes on them which is kind of sad and I'm trying to take every version of Batman on it's own face value like sure I prefer one version over the other and like you said before Chris the fact that I was alive to experience this because I wasn't alive when Batman 89 was a thing that I had a chance to look forward to seeing these movies in the theater. I could say, like, oh, these were my Batman movies, even though I love the Burton and Schumacher movies. I love them just as much as these movies, but the fact that, like, no, I have distinct, cognizant memories of going to the theaters and seeing these, some of them multiple times, and it's something I'm, I'm going to cherish to the end of time. And the fact that I was able to share those kind of memories with you two over the course of these episodes just makes it even better.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, yes. I love that not only we'll be we able to watch these movies together, but now all these years later, we're we're still able to talk about them and geek out about them and dissect them. So, uh, yeah, I I love revisiting that time, but still, you know, it, it's still kind of a part of uh, our friendship in present day, which is really cool. Absolutely. Without a doubt.
0: Yeah, and we're all, and when the day we're allowed to be back in the room together again, we get to do the commentary tracks to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but we'll we'll, we'll give us the time before that. Now, Justin, if people want to follow you on social media and whatever amusings you do on the interwebs,
1: where can people find you? Uh, I'm primarily on Twitter, um, mostly tweeting about Star Wars, baseball, sports. Everything, at uh, at Justin Cirillo, S- with a C, not an S. <gasps> Justin
0: Cirillo, <laughs> in the words of our friend Jill Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on acid right now. Thanks, Jill. We need to know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about you, Chris? Where can people follow you and the things you're the media you are putting out
2: yes so i have a few wrestling related projects i do a podcast called pro wrestling repackaged i uh, do it with my wife and it's all about wrestling related tv shows our first season is about young rock on nbc which is going on now and our second season will be about the upcoming steven amell show heels which is a wrestling drama on stars that should be coming out sometime this year um, so you can follow us at p w repackaged on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us on any platform that you get your podcasts and also, I do a wrestling themes cover project called wrestling undercover and you can just find that just type in on youtube wrestling undercover and it'll pop up
0: very nice. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I made it easy for you. At, this is Tim Rooney. Rooney as an R O O N E Y. That's for-
1: Can I just say I'm very happy you are no longer Tim Rooney too. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, like I, I, I wanted to brand it like if I, if I was going to be verified, like I don't think they would allow with a number in the title. So I thought like <laughs> this is Tim Rooney. Like I feel like like I'm announcing like as if like. I'm a hip hop artist. Like this is Tim Rooney. as if I'm about to hit the stage, um, so I, I, even though it does sound kind of egotistical, like this is Tim Rooney. Um, so yeah, <laughs> this what is this is this
2: is a Tim Rooney moment. <laughs>
0: I'm like, God goddamn America a hero. Tim
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you done pull a Tim Rooney right there. You made too many puns and tripped over your gigantic feet. Which I did earlier today. I tripped up a flight of stairs because I'm wearing my Converse. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. I, I'm i in full control of the extremities of my body. Nice
1: one there, Biden. Uh, and, oh. <laughs> and the funny thing is,
0: I made a Gerald Ford joke falling down a flight of stairs earlier in that week on a podcast. Little did I know that I that I was going to come back, that I was going to be trending the day that episode went up. Oh, man. And I... I'm just glad the glass I was holding was empty and didn't spill everything all over the carpet. Um, and with all my other podcasts, please rewind the RF4RM Retro Show, part of the Real Fans for Real Movies Podcast Network, and my YouTube channel, Through the Lens Productions, YouTube.com/slash/Through the Lens Productions, where my latest video essay about the world's end is up. Gentlemen, Justin, Chris, thank you for taking time Monday night to talk uh, The Dark Knight Rises with me. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Of course, of course, of course. Come back next time. we you continue to talk about uh, Geek of Pop Culture, and we'll be speaking to you soon. Everything went.
1: No lawyer? No witnesses? What sort of due process is this? Your guilt has
0: been determined. This is merely a sentencing hearing. Now what will it be? Death? Or exile? Framed. If you think we're going out onto that ice willingly you have another thing coming